Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Thursday, June the 1st, 2017 here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sinek. With me as always is the co-host, Ryan Motorola. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself, man. Uh, happy June 1st, everybody. We are inching closer and closer to summertime, my favorite time of the year, and one of the busiest times of the year in the professional wrestling world, and there is a lot to get into. It has been a busy week in the world of professional wrestling, not just in the WWE, but all throughout the wrestling world. Uh, of course, it's a big weekend, though, for the WWE, as this, as this upcoming Sunday, we have the next pay-per-view for the WWE, and that is, of course, Extreme Rules, a big pay-per-view with a huge main event match to determine the new number one contender for the Universal Championship. Who will face Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire? Will it be Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt, Samoa Joe, or Roman Reigns? Also, of course, a kendo stick on a pole match, Alexa Bliss versus Bayley. The tag team titles will be defended in a steel cage as the Hardy Boys take on Cesaro and Sheamus. Miz versus Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship. Austin Aries versus Neville for the Cruiserweight title in a submission match and more. We're going to give our predictions for that show in the second hour. Also going on, a couple of tournaments. We are inching closer and closer to the end of the Best of the Super Juniors Tournament. That will conclude this Saturday, June the 3rd, as two guys will go at it for the last time for the crown. Will Ospreay and Kushida are the finalists. Will Ospreay looking to win back-to-back Best of the Super Junior Tournaments. I think if he does achieve that, he will be the first ever in history to accomplish that. I may have to check again to see if anybody else did it, but if no one did it, then Will Ospreay would be the first. Anyways, whoever wins this tournament, whether it's Kushida or Will Ospreay, they will call themselves a two-time Best of the Super Junior Tournament winner. So we're going to give our thoughts on that and give our prediction on who's going to win that tournament also in the second hour. Also, we are coming off the heels of the Progress Wrestling Super Strong Style 16 Tournament, where that winner was crowned on Monday. We will start with that. But before we get into that and everything that has gone on in the world of professional wrestling, you guys know the deal. You want to follow us on social media? Go right ahead. We are on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. You can also like us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Royal Ramble Wrestling, and follow us on the Instagram as well at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you happen to miss us live here on itsyourradio.com, don't forget hit the subscribe button. Check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. We usually upload our episodes the day after we record our podcast, which means. This episode will be uploaded by tomorrow. Also, guys, give us a rating. What do you think about our show? Are we good? Are we terrible? We want to hear from you guys. That's the most important thing. So let's get right into it, Ryan, and we'll do a little bit of a quick recap right now of what went down at Progress Wrestling Super Strong Style 16 Tournament. We're not going to break down the matches because 
we haven't gotten the chance to see them yet because they were not broadcasted nationally. They were taped, and they will be on demand very, very soon. But what we do know, of course, is the results, and we do know the winner of this tournament. And that one guy is none other than the Kiwi buzzsaw, Travis Banks. He defeated Tyler Bate in the finals to walk out as the winner of the Super Strong Style 16 tournament. A very popular pick among the fans. Uh, I did not choose him. Neither did you, Ryan. I had Jimmy Havoc, who unfortunately got knocked out of the first round of the tournament by Travis Banks. And you had Zach Sabre Jr., Ryan, who was also eliminated by Travis Banks. That happened in the semifinals. So both of our predictions, Ryan, failed and lost to the eventual winner. But when you speak to people on social media and you ask them who was going to win this tournament... A lot of people were riding on the Travis Banks bandwagon, and I can see why. I've been watching Travis Banks a lot lately, and he's a very, very good talent, young, up-and-coming star. And I'm very happy for him that he got the opportunity to be a part of this tournament, which is a huge tournament in wrestling. A lot of big names took part in this tournament, and he managed to be the only one walking out the winner. That's great for Travis Banks. Um, What's going to happen next for him? Uh, Probably going to get a title shot against Pete Dunne. For the Progress Championship, I'm hoping that that's the end game for whoever wins this tournament. And I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Travis Banks, even though I am a Pete Dunne supporter. Like I said before, I've been watching Travis now for a little while, for maybe close to a year. And a lot of people don't know who this guy is, other than, of course, the UK fans who, of course, are locked in to the top independent promotions in the United Kingdom like WCPW, Progress Wrestling, ICW, and Revolution Pro Wrestling. They've seen Travis Banks perform a lot. And if you have not checked this guy out, people, I highly advise you to do so. Very, very good talent. Not only can he work as a singles guy, but also as a tag team specialist. All right, He's you know been a part of a tag team with Chris Brooks called the CCK, which is starting to make a lot of noise in the independent scene. He's also, of course, a part of the South Pacific Power Trip with TK Cooper. They're making a lot of noise in the independent scene. And if you guys watch WCPW, he was, of course, a member of the Prestige Faction, along with Joe Hendry, Joe Coffey, and BT Gunn. So wherever this guy goes, he's doing something big. And now he's getting this opportunity to go on this singles run and to pursue a huge opportunity of possibly becoming the new Progress Champion. That's great to see. And it just shows you the growth of this guy as a pure talent. All right, The nickname, the Kiwi Buzzsaw, is a very intriguing nickname. He wrestled. He's a very good, solid wrestler. Again, he can work both as a single and a tag team guy. So I think pretty soon people are starting to, are, are starting to get to know... Who Travis Banks is. And if he does manage to beat Pete Dunne. If that match does happen at some point. Which I think it would. I mean again. If you had Travis Banks win this tournament. And not get a tile shot. Then what was the point of it. I do believe at some point down the road. Banks will face Pete Dunne for that championship. Or whoever faces. Whoever beats Pete Dunne for the title. Who knows what's going to happen. Uh, in the next coming weeks. But uh, anyways. A big congratulations to Travis Banks. Well deserved. And it was a little bit of a surprise to me. When you see guys like Zack Sabre Jr. and Matthew Riddle and Jimmy Havoc and Tyler Bay and Trent Seven and Mark Haskins, etc. All these popular names throughout the wrestling world, not just in the UK, but throughout the world. To see them not win this tournament and they give it to a guy, Travis Banks, who again, among the fans who follow this tournament, follow this company closely. A lot of them were on the Travis Banks bandwagon. They predicted him to win this tournament, and they did. So a great job on for those who predicted him to win this tournament. You guys are experts. I'm not. 
All right. Uh, my predictions for tournaments recently have been so brutal. Again, I had Jimmy Havoc winning this whole thing. He lost in the first round. Going back to the New Japan Cup, I had Kenny Omega winning. He lost in the first round. Uh, Bushi was my pick for the best of the Super Juniors. He started out 0-3, almost made a comeback, but he's not in the final. So I'm not an expert. The fans are. So, again, kudos to you guys, whoever picked Travis Banks. But anyways, big congratulations, Travis. You are the winner on one of the biggest tournaments in the world, the Super Strong Style 16 Tournament. And we wish you the best of luck as you gear up for a bigger role down the road and possibly become the next Progress Champion if he does get opp- if he does get that opportunity against Pete Dunne. But anyways, big congratulations, Travis. Well deserved. Yeah, I mean, uh, my first time actually hearing about this tournament, uh, you know, I haven't really followed Progress over the years. I just started, uh, you know, getting into them a little bit and following them on their social media. So this is the first time I've seen this tournament. So it's pretty damn cool. Um, what they did over there, uh, of course, following it along on Twitter all weekend long, seeing the unbelievable matches that have been going on. Uh, the fans there got a treat. I mean, every single night, I think there was three nights uh, of this tournament, and every single night, it seems like the fans got their money's worth. So, uh, man, I'm very jealous because I can't wait to be at that progress show when it comes to New York City in August, but I would have loved to be in attendance for all three of these nights because they look just incredible off the charts i mean you know progress is doing some great things lately so very very cool to see like you said brian congratulations to travis banks uh yeah i mean it's tough to predict these tournaments you know it really is when you got the brackets filled out like like they had you know of course we had a tough time predicting it last week i mean just some of the things you you could see it go either way but my god it's so damn difficult to predict things nowadays and i guess you know we looked at it as you know these big names that are in this tournament we can't see them losing like a Zack Sabre Jr., like a Jimmy Havoc, uh, you know, like a Tyler Bate, a Matt Riddle, uh, you know, guys like that. But I like when they do this, when they have some guy who you don't really expect to win end up winning the whole entire thing. Now, I know some people did predict that, and kudos to them, but I didn't see this coming at all, and you didn't either, Brian. I'm sure there's a lot more people that did not see Travis Banks winning this tournament, but I like it because now Travis Banks can become something even bigger than he already is. He can get his name out there even more than it already is, and he could possibly become the next Progress champion. And I think that's awesome. Like you said, I mean, gotta love Pete Dunne, but he's got he's preoccupied right now with the WWE United Kingdom Championship, so does he really need the Progress Championship? I don't think so. A guy like Travis Banks, that would just elevate him even more. Uh, so I'm rooting for him. I really am. Like you said, he's a tremendous talent. I saw a little bit of him in WCPW in the Prestige. Very interesting uh, stuff there. So hats off to him. Congrats to him. Looked wild. Like I said, all weekend long, the entire three nights looked wild and off the charts. And I, I, I want to see this. I want to see some of these matches because they just look absolutely insane. So like you said, congratulations to Travis Banks, and we'll see where he goes next. I mean, I, I got to think that he can only go up from this. There's no way you go down. So uh, good for him. He deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to go up from this. And, uh, again, we've heard some great uh, things about the matches. Uh, uh, Matt Riddle stood out big time. I heard that weekend. I mean, in the first round, he knocked out. Uh, Trent seven in six seconds. I mean, that is something that we have to see right there because when I saw that, I'm like, is Matt Riddle thinking he's back in the UFC? He knocked out tra- Trent seven in six seconds. That's crazy. I also heard his match with Jeff Cobb in the second round was also very, very good. So, uh, yeah, when you have all those great talents in that tournament, and we mentioned a lot of those guys, and we can't forget about some other names like David Starr was in the tournament. Um, you know, Mark Andrews was in the tournament. We, we mentioned Trent Seven. There are a lot of big names in this tournament. So when you see all those guys 
in that one tournament, you have to expect some great matches, and that's what we heard, and hopefully that's what we get when we get the chance to watch these matches on demand. So, but again, big congratulations, Travis Banks. Well-deserved. You deserve this opportunity, and we'll see where it goes from here with Travis Banks. You know, he's, again, been making a big name for himself throughout the United Kingdom, you know, and the only thing he needs right now, basically, is to put him over the top, is to become progress champion and even get some more exposure in the United States, which he will pretty soon. He's still a young guy, has lots to do. But uh, anyway, Travis Banks, your progress, super strong style, 16 tournament winner. Excuse me, tournament winner. Uh, speaking of tournaments, we are inching closer to the conclusion of one of, if not the biggest tournament in professional wrestling today, and that is the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Uh, today, we found out uh, who will be facing, of course, Will Ospreay in the finals. Will Ospreay uh, clinched himself into the finals yesterday morning when he beat Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, second consecutive year that Will Ospreay is back in the best of the Super Junior finals. Who is he going to face? He's going to face a familiar opponent, and that is Kushida, who also has won uh, the best of the Super Juniors tournament before. So whoever wins this match Saturday, like we said, is going to become a two-time best of the Super Juniors tournament winner. And from what I've read from fans and their opinions on this, they are not happy about it. They don't want to see a repeat winner. They want to see a new champion. And I get why they're, I get where they're coming from with that, because I know a lot of people wanted to see a guy like Bushi make it to the finals. They wanted to see a Marty Skrull make it to the finals. They wanted to see a Volador Jr. make it to the finals. Even possibly the champion, Hiromu Takahashi, they wanted him to make the finals. Uh, they didn't want to see uh, familiar names who have been in this position before get back to that same position. And that's what we have right here um, with Will Ospreay and Kishida going back into the um, the tournament. Um, trying to uh, bring up if were any repeat winners. Uh, actually, yes, we do have a repeat winner. Uh, Tiger Mask is the only guy in the history of this tournament to win it back to back times. So whoever wins this match on Saturday will be the second person. Well, if Will Osprey, excuse me, wins this match on Saturday, he will become the second person to ever win back-to-back best of the Super Juniors and will become the first non-Japanese-born talent to do so. So history could be made this Saturday. But a lot of people are not excited about this. I mean, I am. You know, We all know how good Will Ospreay is. We all know how good Kushida is. And they're going to put together a match of the year contender. But I see where the fans are coming from because they want to see something different. And it just looks like that New Japan's like, you know what? We're going to do a little bit some similar stuff here. We're going to give Will Ospreay another chance to become a champion in this tournament. And we're also going to give Kushida a second opportunity where a lot of people are like, we should see new people get this opportunity to win. You know, Bushi has never been in this position before. Marty Skrull in his first uh, tournament, never been in this position before. Volador Jr., Dragon Lee, uh, El Desperado. Uh, and we did not get that. We saw similar guys get back to the final position of the tournament. But for the match itself, I'm excited for it. It's going to be an outstanding match. Will Ospreay, just as the tournament gets further and further, he has absolutely nailed it. You know, he just gets better and better each matchup. His recent match with Takahashi, if you've not checked that out, please do. Very fun match. Uh, Kushida, of course, won the big match this morning. And he's actually Ryan's pick, so Ryan is very, very close to nailing this one right. He did pick Kushida from the very beginning to win this tournament. It did not look good from the very beginning for Kushida. Uh, he was off to a very rough start. I think he lost his first two or three matches. But he made a very strong comeback, and now he's back in the finals. So uh, uh, who, who I think is going to win this tournament? Who is going to win this match Saturday? 
I don't know. It, it is the ultimate toss-up. Do I see New Japan going to do back-to-back championships for Will Ospreay? It's a rarity. We don't see that often with uh, these types of tournaments where a certain wrestler wins it back-to-back years. Uh, Kushida, of course, if he does win this tournament, you know he'll get his opportunity at revenge with Takahashi. So there is a story there they can play here that Kushida, after losing that tough match to Takahashi, where he got his you know his brains kicked in by Takahashi, lo- losing the match in a minute 56, he's back for revenge. He won this tournament, and now he's going to go for Takahashi. They can also play that story, or maybe they want to make history here and give Will Ospreay the chance to get a, get a title shot against Takahashi and become the first non-Japanese-born wrestler to win this tournament in back-to-back years and become the second man to ever do so. So uh, anyways, the tournament, our final thoughts about it, it was an outstanding tournament, uh, getting the opportunity to watch a lot of these matches. Not all of them, a lot, though. Uh, we see, we saw a lot of match of the year contenders again. Will Ospreay versus Ricochet is one of the matches of the year. Uh, Marty Skrull's first tournament, big success, completely over in Japan. Great for him. That tells you that New Japan Pro Wrestling should should book Marty Skrull a lot more in Japan. He's over with the fans. They're buying his merchandise. They're wearing his mask that he usually walks to the ring with. They're buying his umbrellas. He's over in Japan. And then there were some not there. Then there were some guys. That made a name for themselves in this tournament. A guy like El Desperado really made a name for himself. A guy like uh, Dragon Lee made a name for himself. You know, a guy like Yoshinobu Kanemaru made a name for himself. Taichi made a name for himself. Guys that have never been in this position before, they got the opportunity to shine uh, throughout this tournament for the, for these past two weeks, and they did a heck of a job. So again, bravo to those at New Japan Pro Wrestling. Who put together another great tournament? Again, you know, if you've not seen the best of the Super Juniors, please do so. If you have New Japan World, uh, check it out. They put together some great matches, some very good shows, and it's in a very exciting tournament. And it's going to come to an end this Saturday between Will Ospreay and Kushida. A little bit later on, before we give our Extreme World predictions, we're going to predict this uh, match and we're going to predict who's going to win it. But when we put a bow... On the best of the Super Juniors this year, it was a huge success again. Again, guys made some names for themselves. We had some match of the year contenders. And we could be seeing history being made this Saturday. If Will Ospreay does win this match, he will become the first ever non-Japanese-born wrestler to win this tournament back-to-back years. And he could become the second man ever to win this tournament back-to-back years. And, of course, if Kushida wins, this will be his second champion, his second tournament win, and he can get another shot at Hiroma Takahashi. So overall, though, Ryan, your final thoughts on the best of the Super Juniors tournament as we are winding down the clock, winding down this tournament as it comes to an end this Saturday. Amazing tournament. I mean, uh, really, what more could you say? Every single match was awesome. Uh, you know, again, very intriguing. Uh, you know, again, New Japan has some of the best tournaments in pro wrestling that I've ever seen. I mean, between the G1, the New Japan Cup, uh, the best of the Super Juniors, the, the Tag League in the fall. I mean, they really have awesome tournaments, and this is by far one of my favorites. I love watching, you know, the Super Juniors really just showcase what they're made of. I mean, a couple of MVPs, too, in, in my you know, opinion, who didn't make it to the finals, obviously. Marty Skrull, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better debut in New Japan. I, I believe he got, like, uh, six points or eight points or whatever in this tournament. I mean, hats off to him. That is just awesome stuff right there. Nobody expected him to get that many. I definitely didn't. Uh, I didn't think he was going to win it again. Just going to, to New Japan, you, you know, you got to ease himself in there. He can't just go in and win right off the bat. I understand that. 
but he killed it. He got over. I mean, the fans are into him. Uh, hats off to him. He really showed everybody something. So uh, I'm really, really happy to see that because I want to see more of him in New Japan moving forward. Of course, Ricochet had some awesome matches. El Desperado. I mean, some of these guys, too, coming out of nowhere. You didn't even expect them to do as good as they did. Hats off to them. That's awesome stuff right there. But again... It basically came down to the two best, and there's no denying that Will Ospreay and Kushida are two of the best, uh, you know, super juniors that they have in New Japan. I mean, come on, Will Ospreay is incredible. Kushida is, you know, obviously uh, a New Japan talent, so obviously he's going to be, you know, uh, number one. He's going to be high up there. He won it a couple of years ago. Will Ospreay won it last year. So, Will's defending his title. I think that only makes sense. You can't have Will Ospreay not in the finals. He needs to defend his title, you know, in the finals against a guy like Kushida. And who doesn't want to see those guys go at it again? I think it's their third meeting this Saturday. Uh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that match. Kushida, like you said, Brian, was my pick from the beginning. So, I'm still going with him. I still think they're going to give it to him to get his revenge on Hiromu Takahashi at Dominion, because if you see the, the theme going on here at Dominion, there's, uh, you know, Tanahashi and, and Naito fighting for the Intercontinental title, Omega Okada rematch for the IWGP heavyweight title, so it only makes sense to have this rematch, you know, happen from Wrestle Kingdom, and, you know, Kushida deserves it, he's uh, currently the Ring of Honor television champ, I kind of forgot about that, but I do think he wants his belt back. Uh, so I think he's going to get that rematch. I think he will win. I could see him giving it to Will Ospreay, too. Going back-to-back, -back, I can. I mean, if there's anybody that deserves to do it in this day and age, it's definitely Will. So, uh, again, it could go either way. But one thing is for sure, I know it's going to be an incredible match this Saturday. So, uh, like you said, if you have New Japan World, definitely check it out. If not, you know, again, I'm sure it'll be out on YouTube later on in the day or the next day. It's going to be incredible. So we'll see what happens. But overall, like you said, tying a bow on this thing. It was just an awesome tournament from day one all the way until the final two days here. Yeah, trust me. If this match is really, really great, it, it will be leaked down on YouTube for sure. They did it, of course, last year uh, with Osprey and Ricochet. The match was so good that even New Japan Pro Wrestling themselves is like, all right, we'll put this match on YouTube for free. So for you fans who missed it, can check it out and see it for yourself. Uh, again, you know, like, like you said, Ryan, what we do know, we're not gonna, we don't know for sure who's going to win this match. It's a huge toss-up, but what we do know for sure is that these two guys are going to put on an absolute classic. So I cannot wait this Saturday, June the 3rd, the final day of the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Who will win? Will Ospreay or Kushida? We'll make our prediction on that a little bit later in the show. Let's now shift the focus to the WWE as, of course, this was a big week for Monday Night Raw as they are gearing up for this Sunday's Extreme Rules pay-per-view as they had their go-home show this past Monday. And, of course, we'll start with that until we go to SmackDown and NXT. It, it, there's a constant trend going on, Ryan, when it comes to go-home shows for both Raw and SmackDown. We've seen, of course, both Raw and SmackDown put together some good shows and some bad shows, all right? They can't keep the consistent effort up, all right? There'll be one great show followed by two bad shows. And then again, great show followed by two bad shows. And yes, yeah, sometimes they can survive that, all right? They can survive a bad show from here and there. They can survive, you know, a lackluster show. But one thing that always drives me nuts with WWE is that there are a lot of times where... They do not do a good job in writing up the go-home show, all right? The go-home show is always the most important show of that brand leading up to a pay-per-view because it's the final chance for them to, to get the fans excited about the big event upcoming. 
And again, Raw had the opportunity to do such that. You know, it's a big pay-per-view this Sunday. Some big matches are going on. Raw had the opportunity to hype the fans up, get them pumped up for this Sunday. You know, have the fans just sit there and say, man, what an exciting show, man. I'm pumped up for this Sunday. I want to see what's going to go down to Extreme Rules. But in the very end, it was another lackluster show put together by Raw. And this has been a trend now for the past couple of years where... When we see the go-home show, is not as great as it should be. And that was the same theme this time around. And there were a lot of things that I did not like about the show. Uh, we'll start with the positives, though. There were some great matches on the show. Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins had an outstanding main event match. Really, really good stuff. Uh, people were not happy that Roman Reigns won the match. I mean, if you're going to bitch and moan about that, I mean, please grow up already. Uh, Seth Rollins losing that match does not kill him whatsoever. I still give Seth Rollins better odds of winning this Sunday than I do Roman Reigns because, look, Roman Reigns, we all know, is going to get his opportunity during WrestleMania season. That's a given, in my opinion. I do not see Roman Reigns winning this match Sunday. But again, I'll save my prediction for that later. Uh, but the match was great. Roman Reigns winning the match, to me, again, it doesn't hurt Seth Rollins, all right? It was a great match. It was competitive. And we're going to see a lot of stuff like this because, again, people don't want to admit it, but it's the facts. It's the reality. Roman Reigns, whether you like him or you despise the man, is going to be the face of this company, right? Vince has made his decision. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to give this reign, uh, no pun intended, to Seth Rollins or to Finn Balor or to Kevin Owens and even AJ Styles. Roman Reigns is going to be the face of this company for the next 5 to 10 years, whether you like it or not. So, stuff like this, seeing Roman Reigns go over a guy like Seth Rollins, who the fans love, is going to happen occasionally, alright? Not all the time, but there will be points where Roman Reigns will get the best of your favorite superstar. And I don't want to see fans bitch and moan about it, because, again, they have this full hatred of Roman Reigns. Hate him all you want. I'll say it again. He's going to be the face of this company, whether you like it or not, but... That was a very good match. Also was a triple threat match. The Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Bray Wyatt match. Very, very good stuff. Booking decision-wise, I love what they did here. Giving the win to Samoa Joe. Because let's be honest, you know, out of the five superstars that are in this match, if you ask me who has the lowest odds of winning this match, it's definitely Samoa Joe. And not because he's a bad talent. No, Joe's a very good talent. He's a veteran. But the reason is because Samoa Joe has the least amount of experience out of these guys on the main roster and right now he's just not built up big enough to compete for that championship just yet will he down the road possibly but not right now it's too early for Samoa Joe but still if you're WWE you want to give the fans you know you want to convince the fans that hey you know even though Samoa Joe may have the lowest odds of winning this match he still has a very good shot of winning and they gave him the win. It was a cheap win, yes. And, you know, people, again, were not happy about that. But, again, people, this is the WWE. Heels these days don't win cleanly. They will find a way to win in a cheap, screwy manner. And that's what Samoa Joe did. And, again, I don't hate it. That's how it works these days in WWE. But I'm just happy for the result that Samoa Joe won this match. Because, let's be honest, he needed this win. To, to go, in with, go into this match with some confidence, uh, to actually give the fans, uh, uh, you know, convince the fans that, hey, maybe Samojo does have a, a legitimate shot, even though 
a person like me and you, Ryan, that follow this stuff closely know that Samoa Joe does not have a chance to win this match. Still, there are fans out there that, you know, don't follow the company, don't follow the storylines in the business the way we do. And you want to convince those types of people that, you know, hey, Samoa Joe, he's, he's, he's the least popular name on this list of talent in this match, but he still has a very good shot. So, Ryan... I want to know what you take about the positives of this show. Again, the two matches, the, the main event match between Reigns and Seth Rollins. I want to hear your take about that. And the triple threat match, give your take. And then after that, we got to get into what was the disastrous part of this episode of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, let's uh, definitely go with the positives beforehand. Uh, two really good matches, I thought, for the most part. You know, I, I was actually looking forward to two of these. Obviously, they uh, were announced last week at the end of Raw. Kurt Angle announced them. So I was hyped. I really was. And, uh... The triple threat match delivered for the most part. Uh, you know, again, I don't really know what I was expecting. You know, if this was on a pay-per-view, I think this triple threat would have been off the charts. Incredible. But I, I realize on Raw, they don't have as much time as they probably would on a pay-per-view. So it was pretty good, though. I do like Samoa Joe getting the win, though. I, I really do. You know, we don't see Samoa Joe getting too many wins lately. Obviously, in big-time matchups, I just he's not a guy who wins on the regular. So it's nice to see, you know, every now and then, if he can get a win here and there. Uh, I like how he won, too. Finn Balor basically did all the work, and then all of a sudden he just comes in, shoves him out of the ring, and pins Bray, and uh, he wins the match. I love that, so I thought that was good. And the main event between Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, you know, Again, the hatred to Roman Reigns, I get it, okay? It's been going on for a while now. But like you said, Brian, grow up. It's getting too old now. This guy delivers every single time he's in there. I, I can understand if people, you know, don't like the, the push he gets, okay, and, and what the creative does for him. But it's not the guy's fault, for God's sake. How could you take it out on him? Every time he's in there, whether it's Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, I mean, anybody, he can literally work in there with anybody and he proved it in this main event I thought it was very very good uh, of course I expected it to be good the one thing I, I have to you know touch on is Seth Rollins still using the buckle bomb why is he still using that move it took out Sting it put Finn Balor on the shelf and now he's doing it to Roman Reigns I was shocked when I saw that because you would think Vince would tell him not to do that or would have banned that move after, you know, Finn Balor got hurt and put on the shelf for like eight months. I could not believe he still uses that move. Out of every single move, he still needs to use that one. I mean, come on. I, I was not a fan of that at all. Again, you know, the way Roman landed was a little bit better than what we've seen in, you know, in past opponents. But my God, he just should not use that move anymore. It's way too dangerous and it's not worth it. It's really not. But for the most part, the match was great. Roman Reigns winning, like you said, Brian. Who cares? I mean, really, who cares? It's not... It, it doesn't do anything. I mean, it doesn't really help Roman. I mean, obviously, he's got a little bit of momentum going into Sunday, but it doesn't hurt Seth Rollins any, any more. So, like, I just don't understand why fans literally rage every single time this guy wins a match. It was a good match. Just enjoy it for what it was. Don't worry about the winner and don't bitch and moan and complain because Roman Reigns got a win clean over Seth Rollins. Come on now. It does nothing for him and it does not do any harm to Seth Rollins. So, yeah, I mean, those were definitely two positives, so I really enjoyed those too. Yeah, it doesn't harm Seth because in the very end, the guy is still in the main event of Extreme Rules. It's not like Roman Reigns beat Seth Rollins and then, bam, that's it. Seth Rollins is no longer a part of this match. If that was the case, then yes, I would be a pissed-off fan because Seth Rollins deserves the opportunity. 
But again, that's not where that's not where we're at right now. All right, Reigns beating Seth Rollins cleanly on a Raw doesn't hurt Seth Rollins because again, in the very end, he is still a part of this fatal five-way match. So again, for those who are just bitching and moaning, Roman Reigns getting another victory, who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt Seth. And I said it earlier. Um, Seth Rollins, I still give him better odds of winning this freaking match than I do Roman Reigns. So people just have to just stop with it, stop complaining, and just move on from it, basically. Let's now move on to the... Um, the, the bad part of the show. And that will start off, of course, with the first part. I mean, I'll let Ryan take uh, take over that. Talk about the uh, Dean Ambrose stuff. i got to take care of some business right now. So, uh, Ryan, your thoughts on the beginning part of the show? Yeah, no, I thought it was all right for the most part. I mean, um, you know, it set up a, a pretty good match. Again, it, you, you know, you put one story with another and you kind of mix them together. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought for the most part the tag team match was fun too. Always fun watching the Hardys in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I you know, it wasn't the best start to Raw we've seen, uh, but, you know, it was interesting. So, yeah, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, about that. Sorry about that. I just had to take care of some business right there. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, here's the problem I had with the, um, the that uh, opening segment. Two weeks in a row they've done this same segment, all right? The show kicks off with The Miz basically you know his Miz TV stuff saying what he's going to do to Dean Ambrose and Extreme Rules and then of course he brings out Cesaro and Sheamus uh, as their guests and then they're saying what they're going to do uh, to the Hardy Boys blah 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 same stuff here comes Dean here come the Hardy Boys bam brawl happens six man tag match again I don't hate that type of booking I really don't but why are you doing it two weeks in a row to kick off a show? Two weeks in a row. Doing that just tells me that, that that's just lazy writing on the part of the Raw staff. You can't do repetitive stuff every single week. And they've been prone to do that with matches, with segments, you name it. In two weeks in a row now, they have rolled with the same thing. The difference is we have new talents involved in this match, all right? One week, we had this group of guys. The next week, we're going to do the same segment. We're going to have this group of guys. It's just lazy booking. I don't like that type of stuff. Again, to do it occasionally at some point, uh, you know, do it sometimes. All right, I'll deal with it. But to do it two weeks in a row, not a fan of it. And that's the part where I just hate what these Raw Riders are doing these days. You know, they're just lazy. They're not creative. They're not filling their term, the creative team. You're called the creative team because you guys have great minds for the business and you know how to tell compelling storylines and you know how to book great matches and great segments and you're not doing that. You can just tell from that opening segment it was lazy, lazy writing and that's something that I just can't stand with in this day and age in professional wrestling, especially when it comes to the WWE. So that was one bad segment. But there was more after that, and the, the one we got to talk about, and this is the one that was the talk of the night, basically, and that was the This Is Your Life Bailey segment where Alexa Bliss is out in the middle of the ring. You know, she's got all these old trophies, all these awards that Bailey won during her younger days, basically talking about poking fun at, you know, Bailey's, you know, her awards, basically, and then 
Then she starts introducing, you know, some of Bailey's old friends, or her fourth grade teacher, her best friend, her ex-boyfriend, and from the very get-go, you can just tell that they are rolling with the This Is Your Life Story segment that they did back in 1999 when it was The Rock and Mankind. Now, back then, that was good because it was funny, it was entertaining, and guys like Mankind and The Rock made it entertaining. But to roll with the same segment again, fast-forwarding now, what, 18 years later, it was god-awful. I'm sorry, all right? It, the material, whoever wrote this material, I'm not going to go as far as say that person should get fired. I'm going to say suspended. Because I don't know how in the hell whoever wrote this garbage material thought this was a good idea to put this segment on national television, which would be watched by 2 million people, not to mention the people in the audience. Whoever thought that this was a great idea to have Alexa Bliss come out and do this segment, bringing out these random people, talking about Bailey's life that, oh, she can never get away from her father when she was in fourth grade. She took her father with her to school because she loves her daddy. Oh, my best friend, I wanted to go out with her, but instead, she'd rather watch professional wrestling and, and chase a dream that doesn't matter. And her ex-boyfriend, oh, I tried to kiss Bailey, but her father was right there and I was looking at him. The stupidest thing I've ever watched. It really was. I mean, right now, June the 1st, 2017, there will not be any worse segment than that one right there this year. Is it the worst segment in the history of Raw? That's up for debate. I can't go back and look at all the bad segments. I can't sit here and tell you that. Because I know we had the recent one, um, of course, last year when we had Al Gallus and Anderson have the, the old day segment where they brought out these three guys dressed up as a new day but in their 80s and 90s, which was horrific. Was it was it just as bad? It, it could have been worse, basically, this whole Bliss segment. It was god-awful. And I felt bad for Alexa Bliss that she had to be put in this position to try to get this segment over. And you can tell that she did her best, all right? And that's what makes Alexa Bliss so great as a talent that even with garbage material, you can just tell her effort was very good in trying to make this segment work. But the material was so god-awful that it doesn't matter how good Bliss is, she was never going to put that segment over. And from the very get-go, Ryan, the fans were disinterested. And when you see the fans disinterested from the very beginning, you know that this segment is going to be a flop. They were chanting boring. They were chanting delete. They're chanting this. They're chanting that. I'm surprised they didn't chant CM Punk because that's their usual chant when they're bored of a segment. It was god-awful. So bad, Ryan, that even WWE themselves, who usually after the shows are over, they put the replays of the shows, whoever missed it, on YouTube, on their YouTube page. They usually put up all the segments on YouTube for those to watch. They took that off. That's how bad it was because usually they don't do that stuff, all right? That old day segment they did last year with Gallus and Anderson, that's still up on YouTube, and it was very, very bad. This, however, was worse. It was bad. The material was bad. Um, the whole storyline where they're going with Bailey's life is just so stupid. It's so pointless. They did not do a good job in hyping up this match on Sunday. Now, I'm not saying that because of this segment, I am not interested in this match. No, I still am because I like Alexa Bliss. 
I think she's I think she's fantastic as a champion, as a heel. I like Bailey, even though yes, she is not becoming the star that we all thought she was gonna become after her days in NXT, simply because this the her microphone skills are very underwhelming and she needs to greatly improve on that if she wants to succeed down the road. So I'm not gonna sit here and say that all oh, this segment completely destroyed this match. I'm not gonna watch it on Sunday. That's gonna be my pee break. No, I'm still gonna watch it, even though I still think the kendo stick on a pole stipulation is goofy. That's Vince Russo right there for you. Vince Russo is not booking WWE's days. Be more creative than that. Make it an Extreme Rules match. Why is it gotta be to one weapon that you have to surround a match around one weapon? It's so stupid. A kendo stick and a pole match. That is just completely dumb. But I do believe both girls are going to give their great effort this Sunday. I think they're going to put together a very solid match. And we'll move on from it. But when we look back at this Raw Ryan, this segment topped it all of how bad this show was. All right, From the very beginning, Ryan, you can just tell that the fans were not interested. They want to know part of it. And in the very end, the material absolutely sucked. Alexa Bliss did her best to try to make it work, but in the very end, no matter how good of a talent she is, she couldn't put that segment over, and I can't blame her about it because how could you when the material was straight-up garbage? And again, like I said before, whoever, whoever wrote that segment, I'm not going to say you should get fired, but you should be suspended for being a jackass and for being a moron to thinking that that was a good segment to put on national TV in front of thousands of fans in the building and from the viewers at home, whoever wrote that segment, shame on you. You deserve to be punished because that type of stuff, that type of segment these days, is just not going to work. And it wound up being not just the worst segment on this Monday show, but probably the worst segment of 2017. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably the worst segment I've ever seen. And I've been watching wrestling for a pretty long time. But my God, like you said, Brian... Why, in their right minds, would anybody think that is something that you air on television in front of the world? I mean, it's 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 like lazy booking, like you said. I mean, what are they thinking? What goes through their head? I could have told you from the beginning when Alexa's in the ring and when there's the table and there's three random people standing next to her. I could have told you this was going to be an absolute disaster. I mean, I could have told you that. If they wanted to do something, should have just kept the table out there with with all Bailey stuff on it, whatever. What did she she read off the yearbook thing? Uh, you know, she, a couple of things like that. Okay, you know that wasn't too bad. But when she started talking to the people, that is where the segment went wrong. I, I mean, where did they even find these people? First of all, I, they didn't even look like actors, so I'm not even gonna call them actors. Looked like they basically pulled them in from the crowd and said, "Here, stand in the ring. This is what you're gonna say." I mean, the way the girl stuttered, the guy didn't know what to say sometimes. I, I mean, it was just awful. Absolutely awful. And poor Alexa Bliss, like you said, Brian, there's nothing she could have done. She tried her best to get something out of that segment, even with the fans chanting boring and delete and whatever the else they were, ch they were chanting. I mean, God, how could you blame them for not chanting something, for God's sake? I mean, she tried her absolute best, but like you said, not even... She could save that awful segment. I mean, my God, what are they thinking? This is how they're building up this match? They could have done so many other things, and they choose something like this. And it was awful. Just god-awful. I can't even... I literally don't even know what to say besides how awful it was. 
I mean, my god, and then and then the boyfriend and the best friend start making out. What the hell was the point of that? Why was that relevant? Like, when that happened, I was just like, oh my god, Bailey can't come out soon enough. I mean, what in the world was that? Now, you know, the teacher stuff, okay, was she bringing her father to school? Okay, you know, if you want to bring a teacher, okay. But, I mean, my god, with the boyfriend and the best friend, it was just god-awful, made no sense. Uh, again, what point are they trying to get over? What are they trying to get across to us? The fact that Bailey is still a child? I mean, yeah, you could just make fun of the way she dresses if you want to go that route, and the way she hugs people, and her t-shirts. I mean, God, how many times have people made fun of John Cena's t-shirts when they're going up against him and trying to sell a match? I mean, you could easily say the same about Bailey and all of her childish shirts. Why do you need to bring people that obviously weren't in her real life, you know, uh, past, why do you got to bring random people in there to try and make a segment work like that? Y you can't. It's just awful. And, you know, I'm going to compare it to SmackDown, too, because we're going to get into SmackDown, but I'm sure everybody saw the women's segment on that show, that fatal five-way match or whatever. What they, they, they didn't even happen to be a match, but, God, all chaos throughout the outside of the ring. Charlotte throws Natty through the table. I mean, it looked hardcore from the beginning. And then Shane comes out and announces that they're going to be in a women's money in the bank. I mean, women's money in the bank and a kendo stick on a pole match. Which one do you think is more badass? I mean, it's basically like they're treating the Raw women like bitches. And literally, the SmackDown women are, like, getting all of, like, you know, the privileges. It just makes no sense to me. If you're going to do it, have it all equal. They could have done so much more stuff to build towards this kendo stick on a pole match. And again, like you said, Brian, I'm excited for this match. I think it will deliver. And I can't wait to see, you know, what, what unfolds in this. But, uh, again, this segment just did not get me any more excited, I'll tell you that. And, it, like you said, it didn't get me any less excited either. But, my God, what an awful segment to air on national television. I, I can't even believe that is what happened. Uh, just absolutely awful stuff by the booking team. Yeah, and, you know, we usually on this show attack the fans when they do stupid chants like they usually do with the CM Punk chants during the Cruiserweight match. We attack the fans for doing that stupid stuff. If they brought the CM Punk chance during this segment, I would have been with them. That's how bad this segment was. And again, I just don't understand whoever wrote this segment thought it was a great idea to put this segment on national television and think it was going to work. It was never going to work from the moment you wrote it on paper. It was not going to work. So again, when we look back at this Raw, if we ever do... This is going to be the, the, the segment that will be the most memorable segment because of how bad it was. So, uh, again, you know, hopefully uh, going to Sunday, it doesn't hurt the image of the match. But uh, it doesn't hurt for me, but maybe it does hurt the image of the match to some other people. And that would be a terrible thing because, again, Alexa Bliss is a great women's champion. Bailey, you know, she's a good baby face. These two have chemistry. This is a big match happening Sunday. And if, and if, and if, and if the fans are not excited about this because of that segment, then that's on WWE for putting together that god-awful segment. Uh, before we get into the um, the whole Enzo Amore big cast stuff, because I want to talk about that, uh, some other stuff that just was just not good on Raw, uh, Titus O'Neil versus Kalisto, I mean, two things right here. Number one, why in God's name is Kalisto still on the Raw roster? Wasn't the reason why he traded Kalisto from SmackDown to Raw is to put him in the Cruiserweight division, Right? Wasn't that the goal? Or did they just put Kalisto on Raw so he can be a mid-carter? I mean, look. I like Kalisto. I really do. And I think he's a great talent. But every single week now, we have to see this guy face somebody 
that's like 100 pounds heavier than him. He's facing guys that are bigger than him. He's playing this underdog storyline, which, let's be honest, is not going to go anywhere. The whole Braun Strowman thing did not go anywhere. And if they roll with this story with him and Tyus O'Neal, that's not going to go anywhere. Kalisto should be with the Cruiserweights, all right? That's where he will be best used, all right? Because he fits what they do. He fits that style. And the matches he could have with guys like Neville, Austin Aries, TJ Perkins, Brian Kendrick, Akira Tozawa, you name it. They will be great matches. And Kalisto would get better opportunities being a part of that roster, not being stuck as a jobber slash mid-carder or even lower-level mid-carder on Monday Night Raw. And number two, I know it's just started, but this whole Titus O'Neil thing with Apollo Crews, the Titus brand, I'm not interested in it. I can give two shits about Titus O'Neil, and I hate saying this because I like Apollo Crews. Same thing with him. I just don't care about him anymore. The guy can wrestle. He's got no charisma, though. All right? I'm going to say it right there. I like I like Cruz's in-ring talent. He's very, very good. He's a freak athlete. He can really move in the ring. But he has zero charisma. And this whole thing, join the Titus brand, is not going to help him either. All right? Because nobody gives a shit about Titus O'Neil. I'm sorry. No one does. So he's just being put out there to just... To, to keep up some time, basically. And let's be honest, it's just not going to go anywhere. So I was not a fan of that. Just don't like that type of stuff. Um, Sasha Banks, now stuck doing some work with the Cruiserweights. Is that the worst thing in the world? No, because let's be honest, what is Sasha doing right now at the moment? Nothing. You know, the whole women's division now for Raw has been strictly focused on Bailey versus Bliss. We've not seen a lot of Nia Jax. We've not seen a lot of Mickey James and Sasha Banks. You know, she's one of the most popular, if not the most popular, uh, women's performer on that Raw roster. She needs to do something to keep herself occupied. And putting her with the Cruiserweights, again, is it the worst thing in the world? No. Do I like it enough? Not really, because I know Sasha Banks can do absolutely better. But I don't see this as a permanent thing. I just think it's... I just think it's a thing to keep Sasha Banks relevant, to keep her involved with the show, to have her do have her do something that, you know, again, keep her name on shows and to keep seeing her on television until she does hopefully get back in the title picture because Ryan, I'm concerned with Sasha Banks. I am. There's been recent reports going out that Vince McMahon is not going to give Sasha Banks that big of a push because he is nervous, he is skeptical. Of Sasha Banks' injury history. And this is not the first time we've seen Vince do this. Look at Daniel Bryan. Alright, Daniel Bryan retired so young because Vince McMahon refused to clear him because of his concussion history, which again, I don't blame Vince because he doesn't want to go there where if Daniel Bryan somehow, God forbid, got hurt badly and it would be and it would lead to something even worse for Daniel Bryan in the future, Vince doesn't want to take responsibility for that. But still, part of me says, look, Daniel Bryan, he looks good to go. Give him another chance. There's always that second chance. And now Sasha Banks, who has faced a lot of injuries since coming to the main roster, could be in that same mold, could be in that same position as Daniel Bryan. I'm not saying she's going to retire young, but I don't see Vince McMahon giving her that proper push because of the injury history. 
And that would be a bummer because I like Sasha Banks. I think she's very, very good. I think she's a better heel than as a face. And I'm still hoping that Sasha turns heel because that's where she's best used. That's how she made a name for herself in NXT of her heel work. She is a tremendous heel. Her babyface stuff is good. But she's a better heel. If you watch the older episodes of NXT when she was the women's champion as a heel, you'll know what I mean. She's very good. Very good in that role. But will she ever get that opportunity to have a long title reign to be a top heel when Vince McMahon is skeptical of giving her that because of the injuries? I'm concerned about that. And that would be a huge bummer because we all know how good Sasha is. We all know how valuable she is to women's wrestling because of her looks, because of her gimmick, because of her wrestling. But it may be derailed because of her injury history. And let's be honest, again, shit happens. You know, people, there are people out there that just can't overcome these types of stuff. So I'm hoping for the best for Sasha. I'm I'm hoping that she can keep herself healthy so she can prove Vince that, hey, I'm, I've been healthy now for a while. Give me this opportunity because who knows if she's ever going to get it. I'm not so sure. When Bliss is done with, with Bailey, who knows if Banks is going to be next in line. It could be Mickey James. We don't know. So, again, the whole Titus O'Neil stuff is stupid. Kalisto should not be on Raw. He's got to be in the Cruiserweight division. And, again, is it the worst thing in the world to see Sasha Banks doing some stuff with the Cruiserweights? No, not really. Good to see her with Rich Swan. Doing this whole Noam Dar, Alicia Fox storyline, which I guess is okay. Not the greatest thing, but it is something to keep Sasha Banks uh, relevant. But I have concerns, Ryan, that we may never see Sasha Banks get that same push again because she can't keep herself healthy. Which would be a huge bummer because we all know how good Sasha Banks is. So, Ryan, your thoughts on the rest of the show before we get into the Enzo Big Cast stuff, which we got to talk about. That's a big thing going on. Your other takes on what happened on Raw, Ryan. Yeah, nothing really intriguing, I'll tell you that. Uh, like you said, the Titus O'Neil stuff with Apollo Crews is just not interesting whatsoever. I get that, you know, three-hour television show, you need some filler in there. And uh, that's basically the filler with Kalisto and the whole storylines going on there. I could care less about it. I don't pay attention, so I don't really know what the reasoning that Apollo Crews is even with Titus O'Neil. I don't even know why they're a thing. I don't know what they're called. I don't know where the end game is. I just don't pay attention when he's on the screen. So I have no real comments uh, about that. I really have no idea. Like you said, though, Kalisto deserves to be in the cruiserweight division. Uh, again, what is he going to do there? Probably nothing, let's be honest. I mean, what are the other guys doing on that show? Nothing. But he deserves to be on 205 Live, not on the Raw roster. So, again, maybe over time he'll he'll you know jump over there, but... Again, I, like I said, either way, I don't think Kalisto's getting much. Uh, after after what he got last year around this time, he was the United States champion. So uh, I don't think he'll ever get back to that you know type of uh, stature there. And, uh, I mean, I, again, I, I just don't know what to say about the Sasha Banks stuff either. I mean, she has literally fallen off the ladder so much. I know that she can't stay on the top forever. You know, she had her four title reigns. She had the biggest feud with Charlotte last year. But now it's basically like she's an outcast. She's on the outside looking in, uh, basically doing nothing. Involved now in a storyline with Rich Swan, uh, you know, with Alicia Fox and, and Noam Dar and all that stuff. Again, I guess it's something to do. It's something for her, you know, to get on television. She has a pay-per-view match on Sunday too. Uh, but yeah, I, I am a little concerned as well, Brian. Who, who knows if she's going to get back to where she once was? I do think over time she will. 
but how how much longer is that going to take? Like you said, with women like Mickey James and Nia Jax on the rise here. I mean, are they really going to give Sasha Banks uh, that spot over over those two women? I don't think they should. I mean, now Nia Jax is being Alexa Bliss's bodyguard, but that's not going to last, and you know that's not going to last. So it's only a matter of time before Nia Jax turns and wants a title shot. I mean, they, literally, she dominates the division. Why wouldn't she want a title shot? Why doesn't she deserve a title shot, you know? So I think she deserves one. I'd like to see Mickie James back in there. Again, Sasha Banks, who knows where her future lies, but... If the rumor is true with what Vince said and how he's not going to push her again, it's a real big shame. Again, though, it's just a rumor. You really can't read too much into that stuff because sometimes it doesn't always turn out to be true. Uh, Soleil, let's hope so. But right now, for you know what she's doing right now, I really don't know what, what the timetable is for her to get back in the title picture. I think it does depend on what happens in the title match this Sunday because if Bailey does regain this belt, I could still see that feud happening around SummerSlam time. But if Alexa holds on to it, I don't have a tough time seeing Alexa and Sasha feuding. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. In terms of Enzo and Big Cass, because that was also one of the big parts of uh, what happened this Monday on Raw. Uh, two weeks in a row, Enzo Mori has been attacked in, in the back uh, backstage uh, from an unknown person or people. We don't know. Um, and we've seen back-to-back weeks that the Revival were backstage seen. And the speculation that, oh, the Revival are attacking Enzo Amore. That's going to lead to another Enzo and Cass versus the Revival storyline uh, dating back to their days in NXT. But this week was a little bit different uh, because Corey Graves, during the middle of the broadcast, left the commentator's booth to go backstage to go to Kurt Angle's office. He gave him his phone and showed Kurt Angle, I guess, a video or a photo. I'm not sure. And Kurt Angle saw it, and he was absolutely shocked. He had that shock look on his face. And here comes Cass, a little bit later in the show, goes right to Corey Graves and basically threatens him about you know something about the whole Enzo Mori stuff, and then blah blah blah. People want to know who the hell is attacking Enzo Mori. And if you don't know by now, people, if you follow this stuff closely, you should know who the person is. All right. Raw basically gave it away this past Monday when Big Cass came out and got into Corey Graves' face and threatened him. That was a warning of Cass saying to Graves, if you show Kurt Angle what I did to Enzo again, I'm going to knock your teeth out. It's, It's simple, people. It's Big Cass. He is attacking Enzo Amore. And with the recent rumors coming out, according to Dave Meltzer, that an Enzo and Big Cass split is going to happen very, very soon, sooner than later, then right there tells you that they're going to write a storyline where Cass has been injuring Enzo more. He's been taking him out. For what reasons? We don't know. We'll find out soon when it does happen. When they do reveal it's going to be Cass. What's going to be the payoff? I'm not so sure. I've heard rumors that these two will wrestle at SummerSlam. If that is the case, that is beyond stupid. For this simple reason, Enzo Amore, no matter how great of a mic worker he is, he's very charismatic, the fans love him, he's entertaining, the guy is a god-awful wrestler. And a lot of people are not happy with the fact that Enzo and Cass are splitting up, and I see why, because again, whenever their music hits, the place pops. They get one of the biggest pops on WWE Television Weekly. Um, they're very charismatic on the microphone. They got very good gimmicks. 
They have some sort of chemistry, I guess, as a tag team. They're very fun to watch. But let's be honest, Ryan, and we talked about this. They've been on the main roster for now a year and a half, basically. All right, because, of course, they debuted uh, the night after WrestleMania 32. And not once from then to now have Enzo and Cass ever win the tag team titles. Now, yes, half of that was because the New Day have had the longest title reign in history. But even after the New Day dropped their belts, we've seen Gals and Anderson win the tag team titles. We've seen Cesaro and Sheamus win the tag team titles. And we've seen the current champions, the Hardy Boys, are the tag team champions. And when you see those three tag teams get those reigns, and Enzo and Cass are not in that picture, and they're doing absolutely nothing else, then what's the point of keeping them together when we all know that in the very end, that big cast is going to get a singles push. We've known that from the very beginning. From the moment he stepped foot on Monday Night Raw, from the first time Vince saw him with his own two eyes, Vince McMahon saw a 7-foot, 250-plus-pound big guy that has a very good look, who can talk, a very solid wrestler. When you have all those qualities, Vince is going to give you a push because we all know Vince is in love with the big guys. So we all know that Big Cass is going to get that push. It's only a matter of when he's going to get it. And now we've come to the point that it's going to happen. I'm a little bit surprised that it's going to happen in the form of a heel. I never pictured Big Cass being pushed as a heel. That's kind of surprising. And it does intrigue me a little bit because I want to see Big Cass's work as a heel. But... For those complaining that they should not split these two guys up again, I, I understand why you're saying that. But look at the big picture. These two guys are never going to win the tag team championships. They did it in NXT. They're not going to do it on the main roster, right? If these guys could not win the tag team belts in NXT, what makes you think they're going to win on the main roster? Hell, guys like the Vaughn Villains and Blake and freaking Murphy were tag team champions in NXT. What have they done? Simon Gotch is no longer... On the main roster, he's out of WWE. Aiden English is stuck being a sopper, a, 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 an opera singing wrestler, a jobber on SmackDown. Blake and Murphy are still in NXT. So if those two teams won tag team gold in NXT and Enzo and Cass did not, what makes you think that Enzo and Cass are going to do it on the main roster? It's just not going to happen. And even so, what thing what significant thing have Enzo and Cass done on the main roster I can't picture one big thing that Enzo and Cass have done together they have been part of bad feuds with guys like Rusev with guys like Jinder Mahal with guys like the Colognes and it goes on and on and on they have done nothing on the main roster so again is it upsetting that this is where they're at right now with their WWE runs yes because I, I am the believer, and I am a supporter of these two guys winning the tag team titles. But now I'm at a point where I just know that that's never going to happen. So let's see how they do by themselves. I think I think Cass is going to be very, very good. We'll see where he goes as a singles competitor. In terms of Enzo Amore, I'm going to tell you this right now, Ryan. When this split up does happen, turn Enzo into a manager. He is not 
going to succeed as a singles wrestler. I've seen people say he should go to 205 Live. I've seen people say he's going to be fine. Not people. If you watch this guy wrestle, you just know that he is not going to succeed. He is not a wrestler, and he knows it. Hell, he's even made it public when he was on the Steve Austin show with Big Cass, talking with Stone Cold. He even said it himself. I envision myself as a manager in WWE, not a wrestler. So he knows that he's not going to succeed. Hell, if he went to 205 Live, forget about it. 205 Live has some of the best wrestlers in the world. They will make Enzo look foolish. If he stepped in the ring with a guy like Tony Nese, with a guy like Brian Kendrick, with a guy like Neville, forget about it. It would be brutal to watch. So I'm hoping that Vince McMahon sees that. And he turns Enzo into a manager. Who will, he, who will he manage? I don't know. But I don't care. For his sake, if you want to keep Enzo Amore alive on the main roster, have him be a manager. The guy can talk. He can talk on behalf of somebody or people, whoever. Let him be a manager. If they give this guy a run as a singles competitor, it's not going to last long because he is not a wrestler. So that's my take on Enzo and Cass. Am I happy they're splitting up? I'm 50-50. I'm not because I want to see them win the tag team titles. But I am happy because we know they're never going to win those belts. And they're not doing anything. So let's see with this split up where they go. All right? With Enzo, with, excuse me, with Cass's upside, I'm intrigued. With Enzo, I'll be intrigued if they put him as a manager. If they don't, I have zero hope for Enzo Amori. Zero hope. Cass has the potential, but he's still green, he's still a project, and Vince can't rush him. That's the one thing I'm going to say to Vince McMahon. You want to push Big Cass as a singles guy? Go right ahead. I'm all for it. But do not rush this guy like you have rushed other big men in the past. He has rushed Bobby Lashley. He has rushed Heidenreich. He has rushed the great Khali. You can't do that. Give this guy time to make a name for himself on his own. And then when the time is right, then give him that push. So Vince has to understand that. But anyways, the split up is going to happen. Some point in the next coming weeks, we're going to see the reveal that it was Big Cass. That's keep beating up Enzo Amore. It's going to happen. People are going to boo. But guess what, people? This is a long time coming. Like I said before, from the moment Vince saw Big Cass with his own two eyes... He saw money in him as a singles guy. This was not going to last long, especially when these two guys have yet to win the tag team titles. So if they're never going to win the tag team titles, why keep them together? And that's all i got to say about that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, like you said, there's really no point of having these guys together. I mean, do they generate a lot of money? I I would would assume so, you know, with uh, the merchandise sales and all that stuff. And they're a good duo to have together. And they're entertaining and... Again, they get the crowd into it with their chants and stuff, but what else is there to those two guys? I mean, there's nothing else. Like you said, Brian, they're never going to win the tag team titles. I mean, they never even won the NXT tag team titles. So how are they going to win the tag team titles on Raw when there's a bunch of teams way ahead of them? You know, uh, They literally haven't done anything together. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They've been in some big-time matchups, but they've never even come close to winning the belts, and they never will. So, again, that's why this split up happening now. I, I mean, I'm a little surprised. I really am. I, I do have to admit, I'm surprised that they're doing it, 
but I don't hate it at all because again, it, I guess it's time. There is no, you know, no more waiting around. What are we going to wait around for? Again, they're not going to have a tag team title reign, so what the hell is the point of keeping them together? I mean, I'm intrigued by this, like you said too, Brian. I mean, who who knows how this is going to play out? Uh, when is Enzo going to find out? Is he just going to keep getting attacked week after week? Is something else going to happen? What is leading up to? I mean, I'm definitely intrigued in this stuff. And uh, again, like you said. I think we lost Ryan again against some Skype connections, people. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, you know, we've been having some Skype connection problems a little bit lately. We hope to, you know, get that fixed up for you guys. Uh, again, it's tough for us. We don't uh, sit in the same room together, of course, like a lot of you other guys do when you have your uh, wrestling podcast. But, uh, uh, yep, it's, um, again, Ryan is, is uh, right on. You know, this is a, a group of uh, two guys, Enzo and Cass, who, yes, their merchandise sales are very, very strong. Um, they generate a lot of money for the fans because the fans like to buy their merchandise, but as a duo together, they're never going to succeed because, again, they never win the tag team titles in NXT. What makes you think they're going to win the tag team titles in NXT, on the main roster? It's just never going to happen, all right? We want it to happen, all right? The fans want to see these two guys win the tag team titles, but we all know in reality it's never going to happen. So what's the point of keeping them together? When they're never going to get that ultimate goal. They're never going to uh, reach that ultimate goal in becoming tag team champions. Should they become tag team champions? Absolutely. But we all know that's not going to happen as Ryan is giving me a call right now. Uh, Ryan, are you there? I'm here. All right. So continue your point, Ryan. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, that was my fault again. The Wi-Fi connection problem constant thing right here. But as I was saying, yeah, I mean. They could tease up the revival all they want. It's not them. Obviously, Wilder's jaw is still in bad shape, as we saw from the interview this past week. So, obviously, it can't be them. I mean, who else could it possibly be besides Big Cass? The way he confronted Corey Graves, too, shook his hand. I mean, it's just so obvious. It's blatantly obvious. At first, when they did it, you know, in the first week, everybody was saying Big Cass, and I said, no way. No way is it Cass. But after this week, how could you not think that it's him for sure? I mean, like you said, they're giving away all the hints. Unless something else happens next week, I can't imagine it's not, you know, it's not him. I really can't. Because the way Corey Graves went to Kurt Angle and all that stuff, it seems like they have a deal in place. And I'm not sure why Corey Graves is the guy receiving the video or whatnot, but it's definitely intriguing stuff nonetheless. So who knows what's going to happen, if Ender's going to keep getting attacked or if something else is going to happen in the ring or what this is leading up to. Who knows, but... Definitely intriguing stuff, so I guess we'll just have to uh, closely watch it week after week. It's probably one of the most interesting things going on on Raw right now, uh, to say the least. It is interesting, but again, we won't know for sure on who is attacking Enzo Amore. Again, if you follow these storylines closely, it's got to be Big Cass. When will that reveal happen? Who the heck knows? Definitely after Extreme Rules, of course. But uh, we'll see what happens in the upcoming weeks. But do expect to see Enzo and Cass split up very, very soon. Moving on to SmackDown. Um, SmackDown, of course, is still gearing up for their next pay-per-view, the Money in the Bank. Going to Tuesday night, we had um, two matches officially announced for the show. Uh, of course, you had the Jinder Mahal-Randy Orton rematch for the WWE Championship and the Money in the Bank ladder match featuring AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin. 
the the headline for the, the for the show this past Tuesday was that we had a fatal five way match for the women for the number one contender spot for the women's championship. Natalia, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Carmella, and Tamina. And Ryan mentioned it before. There was an all out brawl. It really wasn't a match. It was just an all out brawl between these five ladies, which led Shima, which led to Shane McMahon coming out and announcing that for the first time in the history of the WWE, we're going to have a Money in the Bank ladder match involving the women. And the winner of that briefcase will become the number one contender for the Women's Championship against Naomi maybe some point down the road. This has been a rumor going around now for a couple of weeks, maybe even months. All right, A lot of us fans have envisioned a Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. We've been wanting this. All right, We've already seen the women have... You know, less, excuse me, uh, Iron Man matches, Hell in a Cell matches, Steel Cage matches. And we all knew at some point with all this stuff happening that we're going to see a ladder match eventually. Now, is it the best group of women to be in this match? No, not really. But hey, it's still going to be pretty damn interesting to see what's going to go down. All right. Charlotte is perfect for this match. Her athleticism, her leadership, the way she leads the locker room, her her just her overall presence. She is made to be in this match. She's done it all. Becky Lynch, same thing. And then you throw in, of course, the welcoming committee. It's going to be good no matter what. Now, who's going to win this match? All right? That's a great question. Because I don't know who's winning this match. All right? A lot of people are going to say Charlotte because she's the most obvious pick. But I'm going to go here like I did with the the other Money in the Bank ladder match. And I'm going to say we're going to get a surprise winner. I see a surprise winner coming out of this. So with it being a surprise, that throws out Charlotte. And that throws out Becky Lynch. Which leads us to the three welcoming committee members. Natalia, uh, Carmella, and Tamina. Out of those three, who has the best shot of winning? I think it's Natalia. All right, I'm gonna say it right now. I think Natalia has a great shot of winning this. Tamina, again, I like her, but we she, we just don't see enough of her. She's constantly in and out, whether it's injury or lack of direction. We do not see Tamina enough, so I don't see her winning. Carmella has a great chance of winning, but over Natalia, not really. I think a Natalia Naomi storyline could be a little bit better. Then a Naomi storyline with Carmella. Again, who's better between the two? Natalia, Carmella. It's definitely Natalia. Even though, in my opinion, they both absolutely suck. Natalia is the veteran. She's a better wrestler. I think she has a better look than Carmella. And that's it right there. So I do believe they're going to go in the surprise way here. Look, if Charlotte wins, that's too obvious. Will I bitch and moan that she won? No, because Charlotte's great. She, she deserves the opportunity to fight for that championship. Heck, she deserves to be the champion on SmackDown. That's how good Charlotte is. But I think WWE doesn't want to be too predictable. All right, I think at this pay-per-view, we're going to see a lot of surprises in those two ladder matches. You know, when you look at the men's, AJ Styles is the most logical pick because he's AJ Styles. He's the face of SmackDown. That's why I don't see him winning because it's too obvious. And a guy like AJ Styles... Doesn't have to win this match to get a title shot. AJ is so big. He's so good. He will always be in the mix. And the same goes for Charlotte. She will always be in the mix because of the success that she's had. Of the name she's made for herself. 
of her family history. Charlotte does not need to win this match to get a title shot because she's always going to be in the picture. So I'm excited for this women's match. I really am. I'm happy WWE is giving these girls the opportunity to make history. Heck, we even see Lana on Twitter tweet at Shane McMahon saying that I want to be part of it. So we'll see if Shane adds Lana. Should they add Lana? I don't think so. Lana needs more experience in the ring. Putting her in a ladder environment is not a smart idea for an inexperienced wrestler like her. So for her sake, I would not want to put her in the match. But I see why she wants to be involved because she wants to be part of history. But if I had to make the odds of who's going to win this match, I'm on Natalia's side, to be honest. Again, I've been very critical of Natalia. I don't think she's a great talent. But out of all those people that I think has the best shot of winning, it's her. Because, again, I think they're going to play the, surpri- the surprise factor. And she will be a surprise winner. She would be. She would be a very surprise winner. Becky Lynch is not going to win because I don't see them doing a face versus face unless they turn Becky heel, which I never see happening because she's too over as a face. Maybe they turn Naomi heel, but again, she's over as a face as well. Again, if they want to go the safe route, Charlotte's the pick. But again, I think WWE wants to be unpredictable when it comes to a match like this. And... It's either going to be Carmella or Tamina or Natalia, and I personally think it's going to be Natalia, and it should be her out of those three because she's the most experienced, and I just think she's the most believable threat to that championship over Carmella and Tamina. But anyways, good for these women. They're getting the opportunity to make history. How is the match going to go down? How will they utilize the ladder? That's a big question that they need to answer. I'm not sure what they could possibly do with the ladder. Should be interesting. But anyways, these girls deserve the opportunity, and I cannot wait to see these girls in this match in the next coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, I'm stoked for this. I can't wait. Uh, We heard the rumors, and it ended up being true, so good thing there. Uh, Again, these women deserve it, man. I'm telling you, you know, women have changed the game so much in professional wrestling, uh, you know, since last year and the year before that, that they deserve to have a Money in the Bank ladder match. I mean, they, they do. Now, of course, you know, I wish it was kind of a mixture of both Raw and SmackDown women's talent because, you know, some of these women I could do without in this match, such as a Tamina or a Carmella. You know, it would be cool to put Sasha Banks in a spot like that or Mickey James or something like that. Uh, but, of course, we're not getting that, of course, with the brand split and everything. But, hey, like I said before, the SmackDown women, they're being looked at as badass. I mean, look at this. Money in the Bank ladder match, that's awesome right there. So, uh, like you said, who knows who's going to win this match? I have no clue, but I, I really have a tough time seeing it being somebody like Carmella or Natalia or Tamina. I, I really just have a tough time seeing that. Uh, again, do those three deserve it out of everybody's match? Yeah, they do, because let's face it, Charlotte don't need no briefcase to get a championship match. Becky Lynch don't need no briefcase for a championship match. It should go. The briefcase should go to somebody who realistically won't be able to beat the champion and who could just come in and sneak attack basically and, and just get a cheap victory and win the title. And somebody like a Natalia or a Carmella or a Tamina, I could definitely see those three uh, being that person, but I don't think they're going to give it to them. You know, this is so history making and everything. I just have a feeling they're going to give it to Charlotte. They're just going to throw it on to Charlotte and, you know, beef up her accolades a little bit so that she can not only be, you know, a five time or four time, whatever the hell she is, Royal Women's Champ, she can also add Mrs. Money in the Bank to uh, her accolades on there. I just have a feeling that they're going to do something stupid like that. 
And either way, I don't see this girl, whoever wins, holding the Money in the Bank briefcase for a long time. It'll probably be cashed in the next night or, you know, the next pay-per-view or whatever. I don't see them holding on to it for too much longer after they win it. So that's why I just think Charlotte's going to win, and that's how she's going to get the title match and get the title back. I just can't really see anybody else besides Becky Lynch winning this match realistically. But anyways, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Like you said, Brian, the the way they utilize the ladders is going to be interesting. Uh, You know, again, we we really don't see women fighting on a ladder in WWE and anywhere, if that. Uh, so it's definitely intriguing stuff, and I really can't wait. I'm glad they added it onto the series pay-per-view, too, because I wasn't thrilled in the first place with having just one Money in the Bank ladder match. As we've seen over the years, they basically had two, but they went back to one, and I was, I was afraid they were going to have just one this year. But with this Women's Money in the Bank, it makes this card look so good. I can't wait for this pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. Oh, the card looks great, and it, it looks great because not because of just the two ladder matches and the uh, the rematch between Mahal and Orin, but the tag team titles are also on the line. As you found out on Tuesday, the Usos have new challengers, and those new challengers are none other than the returning New Day. That's right. Big E, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston made their SmackDown Live debuts, and they are the next guys in line for a tag team title shot, which is no surprise. Again, when you look at this tag team division, who was the most credible threat to the Usos? It's without a doubt the New Day. The American American Alpha has been nowhere to be found. I, I, I don't even know what the hell they are doing with Jordan Gable. And that is a huge shame because those two guys are great. They're just not pushing them to be great. You know, the Brizongo got their opportunity. Did not last long. Um, the Colognes are there, but we all know they're not credible threats right now. Uh, so, and we all know the New Day are going to be the top tag team in this division when they came back. And guess what? They're back. Are they going to win the belts immediately from the Usos? Probably not. I think they're going to drag out this storyline, which they should. Because, let's be honest, if they have this a one-and-done deal, who in the hell are the New Day going to face next? There's nobody out there. The tag team division for SmackDown sucks. And that's mostly because... The SmackDown writing team, if there's been one huge negative I have on this writing team, on this booking team, is that they have not put any effort in making this tag team division relevant. We see two teams come back for the championship, and then every other tag team does nothing else. Where with Raw, they have they have done their job of making every tag team relevant. All right, even though yes, Gallus and Anderson are having their share of issues, their share of issues, they're still hanging around. They're still relevant on television. And then, of course, you throw out Cesaro and Sheamus, and you throw out the Hardy Boys, and you had Enzo and Cass before this whole storyline's going on. Raw actually made their tag teams relevant. SmackDown's not doing it. They're focusing on just one match, one feud, and that's it. So, if you're SmackDown, you want to drag this storyline out. Make this storyline go throughout the entire summer. Have the New Day and the Usos feud over the summer until you hopefully bring in another tag team. Who is it going to be? Who the hell knows? Will they put two guys together? I don't know. Will they finally give American Alpha or the Ascension a big push? I don't know. But they got to start doing a better job with their tag teams because it's hurting SmackDown. All right? SmackDown, for the most part, since the brand split, which we are now getting closer to a year now, has been very good. But one thing for sure is that they have not done good basically since the very beginning 
is how they utilize their tag teams. They have not done a great job, and hopefully the presence of the New Day will help that. They will help ease the pain. But in the meantime, we have those two teams feuding with each other. They got to start putting more focus on American Alpha, on the Ascension, on the Colognes, because all these teams, and even Brizongo, excuse me, I forgot about those two guys, they need to be relevant to keep the SmackDown show going. So I'm happy to see New Day back. We all know how great they are. They're entertaining. They're charismatic. They're going to make this show a lot more fun to watch. And this feud with the Usos should be very good. With the heelish antics that the that the Usos do, with New Day's popularity, should be a very solid feud. But if you're the SmackDown Ryan team, this feud should be dragged out throughout the entire summer. Because if this is a one-and-done deal, there's nobody at this moment that is believable enough to actually compete against the New Day. The closest, probably the Colognes. But really, the Colognes versus the New Day, do we want to see that? Not really. So... Happy to see the New Day back, and I am actually looking forward to seeing what they and the Usos will give us for hopefully the next upcoming months. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more, Brian. This thing needs to be dragged all the way to SummerSlam. I mean, I got a couple more pay-per-views. You know, obviously this match is booked for Money in the Bank. You have uh, Battleground in July, and then you have SummerSlam. It could definitely go that way, and it has to go that way. I mean, there's no other way around it, like you said. There's no other teams, basically. You have Brizongo, who should be out of the question at this point. I don't know how they would even still be relevant in the tag title picture after two straight losses. So it, it was fun that they were they were involved and they got their their shot for the titles, but realistically, they weren't going to win them. So put that to rest right now. American Alpha, they are MIA. Who knows where the hell those two are? Uh, you know, the Ascension, they couldn't have been – they can't be – any more rock bottom than they already are, so they're out of the question. Uh, it, to me, it's just it's stupid, you know. The hype rose. Zack Ryder's still out. We haven't seen Mojo Rawley yet since he was bragging about winning the Battle Royal. So there's no tag teams besides the New Day and the Usos at the moment. So this is what you need to build this tag division on. This feud right here, and you know whatever happens, you know I would assume the New Day captures the the, the tag titles at some point when the feud is all said and done. But what happens after that? That's a huge question. Who and who the hell knows what's going to happen after that? Because at this rate, looking at the tag team division, it, the New Day, all they have to do is beat the Usos. <laughs> and then they could become the longest reigning SmackDown tag team champs. I mean, my God, they could probably hold these belts for up to a year because there's no other teams that are really deserving of these belts. Like I said, I, you know, the Ascension, they are deserving. But again, they are so deep in water right now that they are they're basically drowning right now and i don't think there's any saving them they are just done uh, again the other teams i've mentioned are basically dead in the water as well i do like the colognes i do think they're good they just got to find a good gimmick thank god they dropped the shining stars crap they're two they're two good solid talents i think they would be good but do, do those two going up with the new day really intrigue you uh, they don't intrigue me at all so this is the feud of the summer that needs to happen in the SmackDown tag division. Definitely, no doubt about it. Yeah, and it has to drag out for the next coming one. Uh, excuse me, for the next coming months. I mean, as for the rest of the show, I mean, AJ Styles losing to Dolph Ziggler again. Is it a big deal to me? No, because AJ Styles is always going to be in that same position where he made famous. You know, he's the face of SmackDown, so he loses the match to Ziggler. Doesn't hurt him. It really doesn't. Uh, Shinsuke versus Kevin Owens next week. A lot of people are not happy that they're wasting that match on a SmackDown. But, again, is it a big deal? 
maybe, but this is WWE for you. They're going to do what they want to do. And that sometimes they're going to have, they're going to need some big matches to headline some shows. So Shinsuke versus Owens next week, I'm all for it. I think it's going to be very fun to watch. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura is still over with the fans. Good to see that the people have not turned on Shinsuke Nakamura yet because I still have that fear that people are not going to dig this guy anymore and that they're going to turn on this guy very, very soon. Uh, but right now he's still getting the pops, you know, and his interaction with Owens is very, very solid this week. So I didn't get the chance to watch all SmackDown. I just read up on it, so I don't really have a full uh, reaction for it. But I looked at the big stuff that happened. Of course, the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match, big announcement. Great to see that they're finally doing this. Uh, again, the New Day came back. They're feuding with the Usos. Good to see. Uh, AJ Styles losing Dolph Ziggler. A, a big deal to a lot of people, not myself. And uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens, they had a tag team main event where it was Nakamura and Zayn versus Owens and Corbin. Uh, very good stuff from what I heard with Nakamura getting the pinfall victory. So they keep giving Nakamura the pinfall wins as they give him all the momentum going into the uh, big pay-per-view matchup. So, uh, again, I'm just excited for the pay-per-view. I, I really am. Uh, uh, this this has a chance to be a very good pay-per-view uh, we have four great matches already to, to, to start. Who knows what else they're going to add. I'm not sure what else they could add because a lot of their top stars are already booked for that show. So I'm wondering what they will do next. Will they add a Luke Harper to, a, to have Luke Harper be involved in a match with somebody? Will they have something else? Will Ty Dillinger do something? So uh, we'll see what they do. But uh, overall, I didn't get the chance to watch all SmackDown. From, but from what, I, from what I read, it wasn't the best SmackDown at all. Yeah, I mean, I watched it, basically skimmed through it. I didn't watch it live. I caught up on the DVR. Yeah, like you said, some of the big spots were the women's stuff and uh, the New Day coming back. And they had, you know, Jinder Mahal appeared on the screen, hyping up the match with the Orton a little bit. Not really, but, again, we're getting that rematch. Uh, yeah, and then not much else really happened. I mean, uh, you know, again, the main event, like you said, Dolph Ziggler did beat AJ Styles. And, again, this shouldn't come to a shock to anybody because – they don't like giving the hometown guys or girls a win in their hometown. They don't. I don't understand that theory. Uh, to me, it makes no sense. I mean, they can't even give AJ Styles a freaking win on SmackDown in the main event, a match that literally had no purpose, no meaning behind it. They can't even give him a win against Dolph Ziggler. Again, I'm not outraged by that because, like you said, Brian, it doesn't matter. It doesn't do any harm to AJ Styles. And do we see Dolph Ziggler win? At all lately? No, we haven't. So there you go. He gets a win there on SmackDown. It's just funny how every single time they're in somebody's hometown, they, they make them lose. I, I, I don't get it. I really, really don't get it. But, yeah, I mean, SmackDown wasn't bad. And like you said, Brian, I just can't wait for this freaking pay-per-view. It, it's going to be so good. I mean, man, I, I, just, I can't wait. Money in the Bank is one of the most consistently good pay-per-views we have seen over the course of the last few years. I mean, go back all the way to when CM Punk beat John Cena on his quote-unquote last night in the WWE and won the WWE Championship. I mean, ever since then, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view every single year has been good, and this year looks amazing. So we'll see what happens. I can't wait. Only a couple of weeks away, so I'm pretty excited for it. As for NXT, uh, this was an NXT that we had to watch because it was the beginning of a new direction for them as they are moving ahead from TakeOver Chicago. So some new storylines were going to be built up, some new feuds, and the show kicked off with what we wanted to see, and that was an answer, a response from Tommaso Ciampa himself for the attacks he gave to Giant Gargano. Um... First and foremost, I mentioned this on the Instagram page, which you can follow us at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Tommaso Ciampa, the most underrated part about this guy's talent 
is his microphone skills. And I say that because go back to his Ring of Honor work. When he was the Sicilian psychopath, when he was the psycho killer, and just sit down and watch his promos, all right? They have a lot of his promos free on YouTube to watch. He came off in those promos like a complete psychopath. That's why the psycho killer nickname fits him perfectly. He has that look. He acts like a killer. He talks like a psychopath. And and it all blends in perfectly. And I saw a lot of similarities of that promo, of those promos, excuse me, to the one he just had this past Wednesday, excuse me, last night. Very, very good stuff. His explanation on why he betrayed his longtime best friend, blaming the fans for betraying him when Ciampa got hurt. People were saying, who's going to replace Ciampa? Who's the team with Johnny Gargano? And Ciampa, of course, took offense to that. And that's why he betrayed Gargano, saying that Gargano held him back. It's the same stuff, blah, blah, blah. He betrayed me. You betrayed me. I needed to do what I needed to do. But when he cut that promo, it just felt right. It felt really, really good. You just had to sit there and say, damn, this guy is a freaking psychopath. That's why he's called a psycho killer. Great promo. Unfortunately, though, it comes at a cost, as Ciampa announced Wednesday, last night, and we've known this, Ciampa's got a bad lower body injury. I, I believe it's a torn ACL or something, and he's going to be out of action for a long time. So, unfortunately, we're probably not going to see the Gargano-Ciampa feud that we want to see badly until possibly the fall. And I thought this was going to be the feud of the summer. Um, I'm, I was anticipating it, but we're not going to get it probably for a while, and that's unfortunate. And with Ciampa out of the equation, what is that going to leave Gargano? Because Gargano, who is he going to feud with? Is he going to jump into the title scene for NXT, or will he get called to the main roster? I don't know what the plan is going to be for Gargano with Ciampa out, because we all know the plan for Gargano was going to face Ciampa this entire summer. That was going to be the plan, but with Tommaso Ciampa out of action for that long, who the hell knows what Gargano has in store, which is a huge shame. But if you watch that promo, people, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, Ciampa came off as a great heel, as a vicious person, a sick person that does sick things, sick twisted stuff. And that's what ma- and that's what is Ciampa's best asset. When you watch him on the independence, that's who he was. A guy that was vicious in the ring. A guy that came off like a psychopath on the mi- on the microphone, and that's what led Chava to a ton of success in Ring of Honor and on the Independence. And I'm hoping once Chava comes back from this injury, that's who he becomes. I want to see the Chava that walks out with that mask, walks into the ring, giving no shits about anything, wrestles like a sick maniac, talks like a sick maniac. If they create that character for Champa, he's going to nail it. He's really going to nail it. All right, Champa is underrated as a performer. And I thought that promo he cut last night was tremendous. Again, unfortunately, we're not going to see Champa versus Gargano anytime soon with this injury. It will happen, though, some point. It has to happen some point after that heel turn. These two have got to combat with each other in the future. And they will once Champa comes back. But right now, it's not going to happen anytime soon. So we wish Ciampa's recovery well. 
And in terms of what happens to Gargano right now, with Ciampa not in the picture, who the heck knows? But man, when Ciampa does come back, this feud is going to be freaking awesome, and I cannot wait to see it for myself on television. Yeah, it's a real damn shame that this injury had to happen at this time. I mean, right when they split them up, it really does suck. Again, we're going to have to wait around now, like you said, for him to come back and feud with Gargano, which is going to be highly anticipated. But that means Gargano has to stick around on NXT for the time being, which could be a long time. I mean, uh, you know, who knows? But uh, what is he going to do? Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, Maybe just keep him off of of TV just to sell the injury angle a little bit more. Uh, You could buy a little bit more time. But, yeah, I don't know what happens to him. And I I just feel like, you know, when by the time Ciampa comes back, again, the this feud just lost a little steam because it'll be like, you know, months, you know, since we've seen, you know, the heel turn happen. So it just sucks it has to come at this time. But, hey, you know what? This is not, not anything new. This is not the first time we've seen an injury derail somebody uh, at, at a prime moment in his career. So, again, really sucks. He'll be back, though. Like you said, the promo was awesome. This is Champa at his best. If you watch him on the indies, you are familiar with this psycho killer. That's exactly what he is right now. So, I'm really upset we won't be seeing it anytime soon. I was hoping for it to take over Brooklyn, but uh, unfortunately things happen. So wish him, wish him the best of luck in his recovery, and uh, hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. Uh, as for the rest of the show, uh, Pete Dunne was in action. He faced uh, Martin, uh, excuse me, Danny Birch, excuse me, won that match. Also cut a very nice promo after the show. Again, at this point in time, we don't know what the plan is for this upcoming UK show. It's going to happen. Uh, we're not sure when it's officially going to begin. We saw the live special a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, they said it's going to be a weekly show, and we still don't know when it's going to happen. But Pete Dunne as a champion is the right move. Again, that match with Tyler Bate was tremendous. Pete Dunne is going to be a tremendous superstar, not just for the UK show, but in WWE. And we just have to wait and see when this whole UK show will begin. The main event match... Tag team match, Roderick Strong catches Ono against Sanity. Very good match that was. Noe Jose made his return. So they're still rolling with that storyline of, you know, Jose, Strong, and Ono feeding with Sanity now. Um, is it going to last long? I don't think so. Uh, because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Roderick Strong, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. Um, Roderick Strong, from what I read on the spoilers, is next in line. For a championship shot, a championship opportunity. Sorry for spoiling it, people. Um, and it led me to the question uh, about um, who is going to dethrone Bobby Roode uh, on the Instagram. <clears throat> excuse me, on the Instagram page, I threw out four names: Drew McIntyre, Roger Strong, Cassius Ono, and Alistair Black. Out of these four guys, who should be the one? To dethrone Bobby Roode. And we got a lot of comments. Thank you guys for commenting. And a lot of people were throwing out the name Roderick Strong. And I agree with them. I If there's any of those four guys that I want to see beat Bobby Roode for that belt, it should be Roderick Strong. For the simple reason that I've been watching Roderick Strong for years. On the independence, on Ring of Honor television. He's one of the absolute best in-ring workers in the business today. There's no denying that. Still a little bit underwhelming when it comes to the charisma and the microphone skills, but he is improving as time moves on, as we get the chance to watch more of his story being told. Of course, they did a tremendous job uh, spotlighting him with his uh, real-life background story, and that's going to help him out big time moving forward. That was a great job on NXT's part. 
and I think I absolutely think he deserves it. But again, is he going to be the one to dethrone Bobby Roode? I don't think so. I still think it's going to be Drew McIntyre because I do believe we're still a long ways away from TakeOver Brooklyn. If that Roderick Strong-Bobby Roode interaction happens, let's say, next week, are they really going to save their match two months from now? I don't think it's going to last that long. I think Roddy's going to get his opportunity against Roode at a TV taping, unfortunately. And I do believe after that's over, I think Rude's going to retain. And then he versus McIntyre is going to happen to take over Brooklyn. I'm still on that story. I'm still on that side. I'm still of that belief. I'm going to be rooting for Roger Strong, though. I want to see him become champion because he absolutely deserves it. But do I believe he will do it? No, I don't think so. Because I just think they're just grooming Drew McIntyre to be the guy. All right, They brought him back. They made it a big deal. He's a big name, of course. He's a former WWE superstar, former Intercontinental Champion. I think they have plans of giving Drew McIntyre the push that he never got in the first place. He's going to get it the second time. And I think he's going to be the one to beat Bobby Roode to take over Brooklyn. Will I be wrong? Maybe. Maybe they give the belt to Roderick Strong. Maybe they do wait to take over Brooklyn and give it to Roderick Strong. But I'm leaning towards more of it being McIntyre than Roderick Strong. But, hey, that's a great debate to have. You know, who is it going to be? Because the main the main, the main, event pitcher now for NXT is as deep as it's ever been, basically. You have Root as the champion. And the list of contenders that are believable to facing Bobby Root are endless. You had Adeo Atami, still a believable contender. You have Cassius Ono. You have Aleister Black, who has been dominating NXT since he arrived. And you have to think he could be NXT champion some point in the future. You have, of course, Drew McIntyre and Roderick Strong. You can even throw in an Eric Young there. And then pretty soon, we're going to have an Adam Cole there. So the main event scene is deep. And it keeps getting deeper and deeper with all these additions. And it's a great question to ask. Who's going to dethrone Bobby Roode? Because it could be anybody. I still think McIntyre is the most believable, but it could be Roddy. It could be even Aleister Black. With the way they're pushing Black, he could be the one. To beat Bobby Roode. Why not? He's been killing it as of late. It could still be Cassius Ono because people like him. He's a veteran, but I don't think he's ever going to get that opportunity again. So it's a great debate to have. A lot of people have different opinions. And a lot of a lot of our supporters on the Instagram page who commented on the photo think it's going to be... Um, it's going to be... Uh, you know, A lot of people thought things could be Roderick Strong, which is good to, good to hear. Um, but I'm still of the mind that I just don't see it. I think it's going to be Drew McIntyre, uh, because I just think they're going to give him that push that he didn't get in the first place. He's, he's back for revenge. The story is there. He's back for vengeance. He wants to be a bigger superstar. Um, and that's all I can say about that. But anyways, NXT is moving in an interesting direction. No doubt about that. We're also gearing up for the women's tournament in, in, in the summer. So we're going to see a lot more women involved in NXT. Now we're starting to see a lot more UK superstars involved in NXT with Pete Dunne and, and Danny Burch having a match. We've been seeing a lot of Tyler Bate and Trent Seven as of late. So some good stuff going on in NXT. And that's always the big positive is that even though Raw and SmackDown have their issues, NXT for some reason just never seems to disappoint, which is great to see. All right, they're consistent with their shows. They do a great job booking their storylines, creating their stars, pushing them to the moon, and the matches are just tremendous. The atmospheres are great as well, 
And that's Triple H for you. He understands how to put on good television. And I thought last episode was very good. And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more moving forward as NXT is gearing up for their next big takeover, which is about two months from now or over two months from now in NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. So NXT, big things definitely in store for this brand moving forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, you know, who, who's going to dethrone Bobby Roode? I'm still with you, Brian. I think it's going to be Drew McIntyre. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious, uh, honestly. Uh, it's going to happen to take over Brooklyn. I mean, I think so because that's the only takeover that we see in sight. It's still, you know, two months away. I think that's perfect amount of time to, you know, get Drew McIntyre into the title picture. Uh, you know, like you said, with Roderick Strong, I do think he gets his title shot. Apparently from the spoilers, he does. But it's going to be at a taping, like you said. I mean, there's no takeover before Brooklyn now. So it's not, they're not going to hype it up that much. You know, again, I don't think Roger Strong even has a chance to become NXT champion. Uh, you know, again, like you said, it is a good debate to have because every single person who could possibly be in that main event title picture, uh, you know, A-Lister Black, Cassius Ono, Roger Strong, Drew McIntyre, hey, I'd take any of those guys as the NXT champion dethroning Bobby Roode. I mean, really, any of them are win-win. But I just think Drew McIntyre makes the most sense because of, of his look, uh, his physique, the way, like you said, Brian, he didn't get the push the first time around. I mean, he is just a freak athlete. So I think he makes the most sense. I would like to see Alistair Black in there. But, of course, there's rumors that he's going to be on the main roster. So I highly doubt he ever gets a chance to compete for the NXT title. So it's got to be McIntyre. But, again, like you said, good debate to have. And we'll just see what uh, unfolds on NXT in the next couple of weeks leading up to the big one, which is TakeOver Brooklyn. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens with that. So there you have it, our thoughts on NXT and what went down this weekend uh, on the WWE. Uh, quickly, before we give our predictions for Extreme Rules and give our one prediction for this Saturday's uh, Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, we do have to talk about the recent rumor going around that Dalton Castle, whose contract is up with Ring of Honor very, very soon, if not now, is rumored to go to WWE. Uh, we talked about this a couple of months ago when we mentioned also guys like Bobby Fish and Leo Rush were on the open market, that Dolan Castle was going to be a guy leaving the company and possibly pursue WWE. Do I like it? Do I hate it? I don't know what to expect. Um, I'm a fan of Dolan Castle. I think he's great. He's an underrated wrestler. I love the party peacock gimmick. I think that's fantastic. He's very charismatic. Will that gimmick fly well in the WWE? I don't know. Will the fans buy into it? I don't know. Will WWE vision that gimmick as something that is like sexual? Because there are stuff that Dalton Castle does with the gimmick that may come off as sexual. And will they want that scene on television? I don't know. So there are some concerns with me uh, regarding Dalton Castle going to the WWE. But hey, all I know is that he's very charismatic. He's a good wrestler. And he will be a nice pickup for WWE. But in order for them to really give this guy the proper push, they need they need him they need to give him the need to push him the way he's been pushed on the independence. Let him be who he's made himself famous to be, and that is a charismatic weirdo, basically. But the fans adore. So, Dolan Castle going to WWE is a possibility. Ryan, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, again, I, I'm not shocked that they're interested in him. Uh, this news basically came out of nowhere. So, again, it's going to take Ring of Honor a large amount of money to try and re-sign Dalton Castle if the WWE is interested because nobody can really compete with them. Uh, what Dalton Castle does will be interesting to see. I think the gimmick could get over in WWE, but they have to do it right. Like you said, they have to book him right. 
I don't know really where he fits in right now. Uh, as of right now, I don't know. Maybe he'll leave Ring of Honor, do some independent dates, and then sign with WWE in the fall. But interesting news coming out today. Definitely didn't see that one coming. All right, so there you have it. We'll see. We'll keep our eyes open with Dalton Castle as he could be possibly pursuing WWE. We're also still waiting by Adam Cole. Will he join WWE anytime soon? He's right now focusing on the uh, IWC um, tournament, the um, the Super Indie tournament. So after that, maybe Adam Cole then signs. We don't know what Cole has up his mind right now. So we're still waiting to see Adam Cole sign his name on the dotted line with NXT. So uh, some big additions could be coming to WWE's way over the summer. Uh, again, let's get our predictions right now, Ryan, quickly before Extreme Rules this Saturday. Best of the Super Juniors tournament. You, We all know you're picking Kushida, Ryan. That's been your pick since the beginning. What's my pick? I'm picking Kushida as well for the simple reason – excuse me, two simple reasons. Number one, I don't see New Japan Pro Wrestling going back-to-back with Will Ospreay, even though, yes, it would be historic. I don't think they're going to be in that position to do that right now. I think they're going to you know, give Will Ospreay this opportunity to defend his championship, to defend the, the tournament that he won last year. But – I think there's a better story in play when it comes to Kushida winning because, like you said, Ryan, this is Kushida's opportunity to get revenge on Hiromu Takahashi. He lost about the Takahashi back at Wrestle Kingdom 11, had their rematch a couple of months later. The match ended in a minute 56. Takahashi basically obliterated Kushida. Um, Kushida played some somewhat of an injury angle for a short term, came back. And now his goal is to get revenge. And the way he can do that is by having him win the best of the Super Juniors tournament. And I think he's going to do that. And I do agree with you, Ryan. I think he will get his rematch with Takahashi at Dominion. If not Dominion, some point later on down the road, I think Dominion, though, is the best place to have the rematch. Because, again, like you said, Ryan, they're doing a lot of rematches at Dominion from Wrestle Kingdom 11. They got Omega versus Okada. They have Tanahashi versus Naito. They have Young Bucks versus Punky Vice. Why not throw in as well Takahashi versus Kushida 3? That's a big matchup right there. So, all I know is it's going to be an outstanding matchup. It could be a match of the year contender if these guys get enough time, which I believe they will. It can go either way. Will Ospreay could win this match. Will it be, will I be shocked if he does win? No, because Will Ospreay, without doubt, has been the best performer in this tournament. He's had the match of the tournament so far with Ricochet, and he could make history. Maybe New Japan wants to make some history, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to give it to Kushida so he can get his revenge on Takahashi. Ryan, again, your thoughts? Just- you still sticking with that, Ryan? Oh, yeah, of course, 100%. Let's go, Kushida. Make me feel like a smart guy. Picked him from the start. It just it makes the most sense. It, it really does. From the beginning, it made the most sense ever since Kushida returned. So definitely rooting for him. But, hey, would I be opposed to Will Ospreay going back-to-back? Absolutely not. One way or another, though, I cannot wait to see what these two do in their third matchup this Saturday. I wish I had your knowledge, Ryan. I really do. Uh, Bushi let me down this tournament. Really let me down. I thought he was going to win this tournament, make a big name for himself. Was not the case. But, uh, hey, should be a good match anyway this Saturday. Again, the best of the Super Juniors tournament will come to an end this Saturday. Kushida versus Osprey. Who is going to win it all? We will find out on Saturday. But let's move ahead to Sunday now. Extreme Rules. Six matches are on the card. Could be, We could see more in the next coming days. They could, uh, they could announce more matches uh, very soon. But as we speak, there are six matches on the card. 
We'll start things off with a mixed tag team match. Rich Swan and Sasha Banks versus Noam Darley, Alicia Fox. Again, a storyline that, to me, is not that big of a deal. It's not the greatest of stories. For Sasha Banks' sake, though, it does keep her relevant. It keeps her moving uh, moving forward. Keeps her relevant, like I said. You know, keeps her occupied. Should be a solid mixed tag team match. Who's going to win this match? I'm going to pick the faces. I just think this whole Noam Darley, Alicia Fox stuff is getting old. Just split them up. Let them go their separate ways. Swan and Banks, I'm interested to see their chemistry. They're both entertaining. They had their little moment on Raw. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they do together as a tag team. So I'm going to pick the faces here. Swan and Banks for the win. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sasha Banks and Rich Swan as well. It could be a pretty solid match. I mean, I'm, I have nothing against it, really. Rich Swan is great. Noam Dar is great. Alicia and Sasha haven't been putting on two you know, bad matches, uh, you know, as of late. So it's good to see Sasha involved, like you said. But, yeah, going with the faces in this one to pick up the win. All right, and then we have the Cruiserweight Championship on the line in a submission match, Neville versus Austin Aries. It's basically the last chancery versus the rings of Saturn. Who is going to win this match? This feud has been going on now for a good two to three months. This will definitely be their final encounter. The real question will be where will they go from here after this feud? Who will be next in line to compete for the championship? But in terms of this Sunday, who is going to win? I still think it's Neville. I love Austin Aries. Does he deserve to be champion? Absolutely. But Neville is on such a good run. Why do you want to derail it? Why do you want to end it? He has been on such a tear since becoming champion. Let it continue. And then give Neville a new opponent. Who is that new opponent going to be? Maybe Akira Tozawa? Maybe Tony Nese? I don't know. But in the very end, I do believe Neville will retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, the, just the, the way he won the Cruiserweight Championship back at the Royal Rumble, I believe he won by submission as well. So I think he does the same in this one. It closes the book on this uh, little rivalry that they had, which was a damn good one for sure. It's a shame that, you know, Austin Aries in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, again, I would have loved to see him become Cruiserweight champ, but that's not going to happen at this time. So I think Neville definitely holds on to it and moves on to a new challenger. Uh, tag team titles will be defended in a steel cage match. The Hardy Boys against Cesaro and Sheamus, a storyline that I've not really been interested since this very beginning. Uh, the Cesaro Sheamus heel turn has gone very solidly, but again, I'm still of the I'm still of the mind that they should not be together and they should pursue their own runs as singles competitors. But we all know that's not going to happen. Anyways, though, Hardy Boys are going to retain these tag team titles. After that, who knows? Will they face the Revival or Gallus and Anderson? It's going to be one of those two tag teams that will be next in line for the titles. Anyway, though, Hardy Boys are not dropping these belts anytime soon, so they will retain and they will beat Cesaro and Sheamus. Yep, this rivalry is definitely going to come to an end as well. So you can close the book on this one. Again, like you said, I'm not interested in Sheamus and Cesaro. Even as faces, I'm not interested in them. So I could care less. I do like the steel cage stipulation. I am looking forward to this match. I do think the Hardy's going to do their crazy things that they usually do. I expect Jeff Hardy to do some sort of swan tom bomb off the top of the steel cage. I think it's going to be nuts. I think it's going to be a very, very good match. But it's easily, you know, obviously easy to pick the Hardy boys to retain the belts here. Intercontinental title is also on the line. Dean Ambrose versus The Miz. This is the only stipulation. If Dean Ambrose gets disqualified, he loses the championship. A very stupid, lazy stipulation. Give these guys a better stipulation. It's extreme rules. Make it an interesting match. It's not interesting. Anyways, though, all I'm hoping for is that The Miz gets this freaking belt off of Dean Ambrose, and I think he's going to. I think Miz does win the match. It's going to be cleanly. I think the Miz will win with the skull crushing finale, whether it's 
Maurice distracting Dean Ambrose or something else happens. It just has to come to an end, all right? I like Dean Ambrose. I do. He's a good talent, but his title reign has been brutal to watch. The Intercontinental title is going back to being irrelevant. We all know there's only one man that could bring relevancy back to that championship, and it's The Miz. And, I, and it has to happen this Sunday, and I do believe it's going to happen. Give me The Miz to become, once again, the Intercontinental champion. Absolutely. I don't think the stipulation is going to come into play here at all. Again, this is a stupid stipulation, but I understand why they're doing it based on what happened in the previous title match. But it's, it's obvious. The Miz has got to win here. I mean, there's no other way around it, really. Where does Dean Ambrose go from here if he retains the belt? Where does the Miz go? That's a better question to ask. So, uh, again, I just feel like it's imminent at this point. The Miz will become a seven-time Intercontinental champ. He deserves it. I'm telling you, he elevates the belt like no other guy has. Uh, as of late so whether it's a Maurice distraction like you said Brian or something else either way Dean Ambrose hopefully loses the Intercontinental belt this Sunday and then we have the women's title match a kendo stick and a pole match we are going back to the Vince Russo booking days here Alexa Bliss versus Bailey a, a match that I believe will, will be good a story that has been very poor of course what went down this past Monday uh, who's going to win this match? I think it's going to be Alexa Bliss. I like Bailey, but again, just like Neville, why do you want to end this reign for Alexa Bliss? It just started, but we all know how good of a reign she could have with her charisma, with her talent on the microphone and in the ring. Alexa Bliss deserves a long reign. Well, where will they go from here? Who knows? Maybe Bliss moves on to Mickey James. Well, maybe Nia Jax. Who the heck knows where they're going to go with this after this feud's over with? I do believe it's going to come to an end this Sunday. And I definitely think Bliss is going to win this match. Will Bailey win? It's a possibility. Would I be shocked if Bailey wins? No, because at the same time, I, I'm still of the mind that I want to see title reigns happen. But that's not what, that's not the world we live in these days. We don't see a lot of title reigns anymore. We don't see lengthy title reigns. We see short title reigns. And I could definitely see Bailey get the belt back. But personally, the right move is to put the, to keep the belt on Alexa Bliss and move forward. So give me Bliss to retain his champion. Yeah, I think Alexa wins as well, and I hope she does. Uh, I feel like there's just so many more possibilities that you can go with Alexa Bliss rather than if you would, you know, giving the title back to Bailey. Uh, I love Bailey, don't get me wrong, but her first title reign was kind of a dub. And again, just giving her the belt right away again, it, to me, it just, there's no point. I mean, why would you give Alexa Bliss a short title run when she's killing it right now? Uh, she's great on the microphone she's good in the ring she is one of the best women's talent that wwe has right now so why would you screw up her title reign keep it going for a little bit uh bailey will be put on the back burner who knows what's going to happen or who the Alexis next challenger is going to be but i'm looking forward to the match and curious to see how it plays out but in the end i think alexa does retain the belt and finally in the main event fatal five-way match the winner will face brock lesnar for the universal championship the missing Universal Championship at Great Balls of Fire. Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, um, Bray Wyatt, and Samoa Joe. We mentioned it before. Who has the best odds of winning? We win in order. I think Samoa Joe has the lowest amount of odds. And I think it's going to come down to either Finn or Seth. Roman Reigns will not get this opportunity until WrestleMania season. I'm banking on that. Samoa Joe, it's too early for him. It could be Bray Wyatt, but I just don't see it. So I think it's either going to be Finn or Seth. It comes down to, though, out of those two, who is the most realistic one to win this match? I'm going to say Finn Balor. 
I think the teaser they just did a couple of weeks ago with Finn and Paul Heyman, that tells me a little bit that it's going to be Finn Balor. Could it be Seth Rollins? Absolutely. Anybody could win this match. It's a toss-up. But realistically, Finn and Seth have the best odds to win. And personally to me, we've seen Brock versus Seth before. I think WWE is interested in doing a Brock versus Finn match. Am I interested in that? No, because I do believe Brock's going to beat the crap out of Finn Balor. And it's going to be just a nice little win for Brock. And he's going to move on to a different challenger. And I don't want to see that happen. But WWE wants to print money. A Finn-Brock match could print some money. It's more intriguing than another Brock-Seth match. Than another Brock-Roman match at this point. So give me Finn Balor to walk out the winner. Who is he going to pin? I don't know. I don't make those types of predictions. But I think in, in no matter what, in the very end... Finn Balor is going to become the next number one contender for the Universal Championship. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough to predict. It really is. I know a lot of people are saying Finn Balor is the obvious choice, and it is the obvious choice, and I do think he is going to win. But I, I just have a weird feeling that it could end up being Bray Wyatt as well. We, we heard the rumors last year around WrestleMania time that Wyatt and Lesnar were going to face off against each other, and it was put on hold. And uh, Lesnar apparently was not happy with that. He wanted to work with Bray. Uh, same feelings with Bray. Bray really wanted to work with Brock. And this is the chance for them to actually do it. Because let's face it, anybody who wins this match is not beating Brock Lesnar anyways. So it's basically going to be a one and done because Braun Strowman is coming back uh, for the SummerSlam main event supposedly against Brock. So it doesn't really matter. Why would you waste Finn Balor uh, on a one-and-done type thing when you could waste Bray Wyatt or something like that? So I'm going to go with Finn because that's a safe bet, but I'm not going to be shocked if Bray Wyatt picks up the win. I don't see anybody else winning here. Obviously, Roman is, is going to be groomed for WrestleMania 34. Seth Rollins is the only other guy I can see besides Bray and Finn. Uh, Samoa Joe, obviously, with the least amount of odds, like you said. He has no shot of winning. So it should be a very, very entertaining match. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but I'm going to go with the obvious choice, Finn Balor. But don't sleep on Bray Wyatt. Yeah, he's the biggest star horse in this match. I think Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns are the two guys that we all know are not going to win again for reasons like Samoa Joe. It's too early for him. Roman Reigns will get the opportunity to WrestleMania. Bray could win, but again, I don't see it. Finn and Seth had the best odds, and I definitely think it's going to be Finn Balor. So we both agree on Finn, but I agree with Ryan. Don't sleep on Bray. That's all the time we got, people. Thank you guys for tuning in again, guys. If you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, hit the subscribe button. Uh, check us out on iTunes and on Stitcher. Leave us a rating. What do you guys think of our show? This episode will be up on iTunes and on Stitcher Friday. So basically tomorrow morning. Again, guys, catch us on iTunes and Stitcher. You want to follow us on social media? We're on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Also, guys, we have a special edition of the Royal Ramble Podcast that will be uploaded this Saturday. We'll be interviewing uh, up-and-coming ring announcer Brittany Nicole. That interview is supposed to happen tonight. It's actually going to happen tomorrow instead, so I'm going to be excited to talk to her. Uh, we don't really hear a lot of ring announcers do wrestling podcasts. It's usually the wrestlers or managers or even commentators. Good opportunity to talk to a ring announcer to see what her job's like, how she started in the business, you know, what it takes to be a good ring announcer slash interviewer. So very excited to talk to her. And that interview will be up on iTunes and on Stitcher this Saturday. So please check that out as well. Hopefully everyone enjoys their weekend. Enjoy Extreme Rules this Sunday. 
Enjoy, enjoy as well this Saturday the finals of the best of the Super Juniors Tournament. Will Osprey versus Kushida. Who is going to win next week? Another big show for us as we, of course, will be talking about Wrestle... No, excuse me, not Wrestle Game 11. Dominion. Next Thursday, we are going to talk about the Dominion pay-per-view. We are inching closer, 10 days away from Dominion. Kenny Omega versus Okada. The epic rematch is happening in 10 days, along with Tetsuya Naito and Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Intercontinental Championship. Rapungi Vice and the Young Bucks for the tag team titles. Cody Rhodes is in action as well versus, I believe, Michael Elgin. Big match card. We will predict that show next Thursday to go along with our recap of Extreme Rules, our recap and reaction to the winner of the Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, plus Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT Talk, maybe some more news on some free agents like Dalton Castle and Adam Cole. Where will they sign? So all that next week. So hopefully you guys you tune in. And again, guys, follow us on the social media. That's all the time we got. Brian Senek here with Ryan Motorano. This has been the Royal Ramble Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.